Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 452 for November 13th, 2022. I'm your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Sunday evenings, wherever you may be, man. It's been a slow week. I feel like it's been very slow all over the place, man. Honestly, I feel like wrestling is in a lull again. I feel it. I see it. When we are talking about, especially on a Saturday night, when we are talking about creative decisions that the NWA have made, as far as their world champions are concerned, you know it's a slow wrestling week. I mean, really. 
Holy shit, man. The amount of people that were just up in arms tweeting about NWA making Tyrus. Brodus Clay. Their world fucking champion. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me. We're going to laugh about it. We're not even going to fucking talk about it. I mean, what is there to talk about? We're going to laugh about it. We're going to go over why Nick Aldis is no longer with the NWA. From what I've uncovered, I, I don't follow this shit. We're going to talk about the Austin Theory botched cash-in. I gave you my reasons on it. Is the Triple H honeymoon phase over? I don't think so. I think people are making a big deal out of absolutely nothing. Corey Graves and Elias, though, spoke out about it. We're going to talk about that. WWE seemingly giving Corey Graves a little bit more freedom to talk about whatever he wants. I think he's in a safe space in WWE. We're going to talk about AEW. We got news on Eric Bischoff. Gave an open and honest answer about CM Punk. And if Triple H should even dive into the CM Punk talk, if he does indeed get his contractual buyout from AEW. We got news on Bandito signing with AEW. I got news on Charlotte Flair. We got some stuff, man. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap up the week and we're going to just chill out on this Sunday night. Get ready for the next coming weeks. We got war games coming up. We got full gear coming up. This uh, Saturday, actually, is full gear. So make sure you guys uh, are uh, ready for that. Should be a great show. I'm not taking anything away from Tony Khan and AEW. Should be a great show. But I feel like the AEW program right now is lacking. It's within my given right to feel that way. I've been watching them for three, three and a half years, right? Ever since the beginning. Doesn't feel the same. I think any natural, genuine fan would tell you about that. We got a big week coming up. But I want to thank you guys for joining me here, man. Follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go out and hit that thumbs up. I need a thousand minimum. I'm not even... I'm not taking anything less, man. A thousand likes minimum on the podcast tonight. Super Chats are open. You're going to get them on in. We're going to hang out at the end of the show with our cold beverages. Memberships are open. Make sure you get them on in, man. It is VIP only on Sunday. So the only way you guys can chat right now with all my VIPs is by joining the channel and becoming a member. Become a VIP right here on OTS. I pinned the link in the top of the comment section in the live stream chat. Go and check that out. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash scripts. Make sure you guys go out and get your 30 days free and one free audiobook of your choice. Let's start at the top, man. We're going to get into the news. And I want to start off light and then we'll get into the good stuff. I did talk about this earlier in the week. And Survivor Series is coming up. I'm very excited for Survivor Series. I'm very excited that WWE and Triple H 
are bringing their brand of war games to Survivor Series to give it the must-see feel that it really does need. Brian Alvarez reported on Twitter via his super followers. I guess if you sign up to Brian Alvarez via super followers on Twitter, you guys get some exclusive news that isn't available anywhere else. So Brian Alvarez reported on his super followers feed on Twitter that fans can expect craziness. Now, whatever that means, I don't know. Craziness at Survivor Series during the War Games pay-per-view. The reason for this is that WWE needs footage for future video packages, and what they have right now is only from NXT. Most of the footage that they have primarily features NXT talent, and you guys know NXT talent right now that appeared in War Games is no longer with the WWE. The first War Games match in NXT happened in 2017, and every wrestler involved in the match is no longer in WWE. The match featured the Undisputed Era. So right now, that's Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and, well, Roderick Strong is there, but, I mean, he's not really being used as of right now. But this was a three-team War Games match. So Authors of Pain were also in this, and then Sanity were also in this. Uh, in 2018, the Undisputed Era faced Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and the War Raiders. That's when Roddy joined. 2019, Undisputed Era, they wrestled Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and Kevin Owens, which was my favorite War Games match of all of them in NXT. And then in 2020, which was also good, the Undisputed Era, as you see, they were appearing in all of the War Games matches. Faced off against Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, Danny Burch, and Oni Lorcan. The only footage that includes all current talent is last year's War Games. And that featured Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne, and LA Knight. The black and gold NXT against Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo. My boy, Tony D'Angelo. And my boy, Nick Williams. My boy, Nick Williams, with a $100 super chat. Shout out to Nick Williams, man. Major supporter of the show. We love Nick over here. He says three things with his super chat. Number one, can't wait for war games. We'll get into that. And full gear. Check out Sonic Frontiers. OST breaking through. It all it is. Fire. And three, have you heard like open world RPGs? If you ever get the chance, you got to check out Final Fantasy. It's optional, but you should give it a try. I love Final Fantasy, man. We'll get into uh, we'll get into all that stuff, and we'll we'll, we'll discuss all of that stuff, uh, most of that stuff in the end. But uh, Nick Williams, thank you so much, man. I, I'm glad you're excited for War Games because I'm excited for War Games too. I think everybody's excited for War Games. Right now, it's a little slow. Right now, it's uh, it's a little it's a little lackluster. We we are not really in the the real nitty gritty of the build yet. And full gear, I'm excited for full gear. And we'll talk about Full Gear a little bit later as well. But WWE is planning craziness for the Survivor Series, which I'm glad to hear because it needs to be. You know, I I always talk about first impressions, man. I really do. First impressions are everything. And I think Triple H understands that, especially for something like this. He doesn't want this to be a failure. He doesn't want this to be 
something that, you know, WWE put off and did not want to do. He doesn't want to go out there and do something to where all of those people that did not want to do it are looking at him and thinking to themselves, "Ah, I told you so. This is why we didn't do it. You know, it's crazy how Triple H is going against everything that Vince McMahon did. I find it to be great. I I love it. You know, Vince McMahon talking about the blood and guts that AEW has on TNT and TBS and Warner Media, right? Blood and guts. I don't know how TNT and their TV partners stand for that blood and guts. AEW did the sensible thing, and they have their finger on the pulse of most things. They took that, and they spun it into a match. So now every year we get the Blood and Guts match, which is their version of what Triple H is doing at Survivor Series. It is their version of War Games. And I find it how Triple H is doing the same thing, the same type of match, when Vince McMahon was so famously on that conference call saying Blood and Guts, describing AEW television. And here we are. That craziness is on the way for War Games at Survivor Series. First impressions are everything. Triple H wants to make a great first impression. They film everything. WWE has no footage of war games at all, and they will have plenty of it. If they want craziness, they're going to sell you on this show this this November, and then they're going to build all of the future shows with everything that you see here. This footage and what you see on this first war game show is going to last forever. What happened in the first war games match on WWE's main roster? Here you go. It is going to be in highlight packages. It's going to be in future video packages. It's going to be on social media. It is going to be in documentaries. One of these years, you know, years down the line, why was War Games put on the back burner? Why didn't we ever address this on the main roster? Why bring it back now in Triple H's legit first year as head of creative? All of this will be talked about eventually. And they're going to need footage, and there's going to be plenty of it. When it happens, so you know they want to make an impact, you know they want to make a big splash, you know they want to make a great first impression. Will there be blood and guts? I don't know. WWE doesn't like the term blood. They don't like the red substance in any of their matches. If it happens, it happens organically, naturally. Is WWE going to go out there and give us their own take of blood and guts? No. I don't think we'll see any of that. I don't think we're going to see as much blood as we see on AEW television, though I would like to see some color if it does indeed get sticky in there and does get intense. I'd like to see a little dash of red because you're going to put eight bodies, 10 bodies, never mind eight, 10 bodies in a fucking double ring steel cage and there's not going to be any color. There's got to be at least something to sell us on the craziness, to sell us on the fact That it is war game. So WWE is definitely planning craziness for Survivor Series, and I can't wait for the craziness at the end of November, man. It's going to be great. Something else that I did mention this week. WWE is bringing back the King of the Ring. I'm very excited about this, and I've been talking about this for years and years and years. WWE needs to bring back the King of the Ring tournament, and WWE needs to put it right in between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, and have it act as a bridge to everything that's going on in the middle of the summer. WWE would do so much 
positive for their own brand and for Raw and SmackDown to give us a King of the Ring tournament that really is a once-a-year spectacular that everybody wants to be a part of. Not only that, it gives WWE an easy out. Creatively, it sets the table for everything. You get a world championship match for both the women and the men happening at SummerSlam, and that's the way it should be. Now, I've talked about every possible iteration of King of the Ring that WWE could do. I talked about doing its yearly under the Vince format, which is lazy, but really make it important. Normally, Vince would have a king and queen. Queen's crown this year, or last year, rather, was one of the worst tournaments I've ever seen. They did not take it seriously at all. It was basically a uh, PR job to uh, get attention to the, to the programs that they were doing. It didn't really get anybody over. Nobody was really interested in it. It was a complete waste of time. One of the worst tournaments I've ever seen in my entire life. Never wanted to see another one ever again. And the men, every time, and the women too, they did it with Selena, they did it with Xavier. Every time somebody wins these fucking tournaments in the Vince McMahon era, they adopt this fucking English accent, this royal accent. I'm sorry, when did that ever become part of the fucking, oh yeah, let's win King of the Ring and then all of a sudden adopt this accent like we're fucking King Booker? Now, there's only a few people that did that right, and King Booker T was one of them, and that was it. You, know, you, you do it with everybody. It kind of pales in comparison to everybody else that did it right. It was his gimmick, and it's just stupid. It, sound, it sounds fucking ridiculous. So I hope, and I know for a fact that WWE is not going to go and do that because that's a very Vince and Bruce thing to do. I even said, let's get the King of the Ring tournament in WWE and adopt some of those ideas from what New Japan does with the G1 Climax. That would mean more wrestling on WWE TV. And Vince and Bruce did not want more wrestling. They wanted more 24-7 title skits. So that was me speaking to a wall. I came up with every idea. The one that I wanted most is let's get rid of these gimmick pay-per-views. Let's get King of the Ring back on television. And let's get King of the Ring in the middle of the summer as a bridge between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, and have the entire tournament play out on pay-per-view and have it be the one thing that people look forward to every single year. Nothing else. And that seems to be the format that WWE is indeed going with with the King of the Ring. WrestleVotes told GiveMeSport.com that there is a good chance that the event is coming back and the tournament will play out in a single night. He says, and I quote, there is a very good chance That King of the Ring is back and likely back in the format that had happened in the late 80s. The idea is that every single match will happen in one single night. In the 90s, a lot of the matches happened on Superstars and on Raw with the semifinals and finals on pay-per-view. If it's going to come back on pay-per-view, which I say is probably going to happen, you're going to have a full one-night tournament. The original report stated also that this standalone King of the Ring premium live event would also include a Queen of the Ring tournament. Don Morocco won the inaugural 1985 King of the Ring tournament at a house show. And the first ever WWE King of the Ring pay-per-view aired in 1993, which was won by Bret the Hitman Hearts, where he wrestled Razor Ramon, Mr. Perfect, and Bam Bam Bigelow in one night to win the King of the Ring tournament. Now, Vince McMahon got rid of it. He canceled it from the yearly pay-per-view schedule because of declining buy rates. And in 2002, he canceled the entire pay-per-view completely. 
WWE canceled the entire pay-per-view because they didn't really treat it as important as it should. And if WWE is going to treat it lazy and they're not going to put as much importance into it, the fans are going to feel it, the fans are going to see it, and then they're going to adopt that same mentality that Vince McMahon has for his own product. That's why it failed. They did not continue to put any effort into it, and that's why it failed. If WWE took it seriously every fucking year, we would not have to go 20 years without a fucking pay-per-view. We would not have to go 20 years without a King of the Ring pay-per-view. That's why it failed. It failed because the people leading the creative team did not give a shit about it. That's not going to happen this time around. There's no reason why anything should fail. There's no reason why anything should be that uninteresting and that's mediocre. Where's the lack of importance coming from? It's coming from the fucking management running the show. Don't blame it on the talent. There could have been a solid reason for a King of the Ring tournament every single year since 2002, and nobody took the initiative to fucking bring it back to prominence. Now Triple H is saying, hey, there's a lot of good we can do with this. We're going to get rid of the gimmick pay-per-views, and we're going to focus on traditional wrestling. And that's what he's doing with the King of the Ring. Money in the bank needs to go away. After what we saw with Austin Theory on Monday, it needs to go away. No longer should that be a pay-per-view. I never considered Money in the Bank one of the big five pay-per-views. It's a fucking gimmick match that they turned into pay-per-view because WWE seen the fans love for the match and they were like, huh, one time a year, let's do it on pay-per-view instead and give them two matches. Two Money in the Bank matches, one for the men, one for the women. No. I never really had this, this heartfelt attachment to Money in the Bank. I did have that heartfelt attachment to the King of the Ring, though. And I'm glad it's back. There's so much good that could come out of a King of the Ring. Qualifying matches on Monday, qualifying matches on Friday. Four men from Monday, four men from Friday. And not only do you get both brands involved, it brings attention to both Raw and SmackDown and makes the weekly television that much more important going into the pay-per-view Who from Monday Night Raw and who from SmackDown is going to advance into the King of the Ring tournament? Show us. That's where the best matches happen. In the qualifying matches, everybody wants to take part in the King of the Ring tournament. Brings importance to the shows. The King of the Ring pay-per-view is going to be spotlighted with the tournament itself. You don't even need to do much. You don't. It should be a breeze to book a fucking entire show based on eight men in a single tournament. The outcomes are predictable. Time limits would return 15 minutes for the first round, 30 minutes for the second round, 60 minutes for the final. There could be situations that happen in the show, injury, buys, a draw. I love it. It opens up a world of possibilities for WWE to really venture into that they don't usually venture into. Now, how we do a queen and king of the ring tournament on pay-per-view, I mean, that may be a little a little too much. You know, I, I, I never really understood why we needed two tournaments on pay-per-view. We could do the king of the ring tournament on pay-per-view and then save the queen of the ring tournament for basic television. But WWE is going to do both in one night. How that's going to work, I don't know. It may be a yearly fucking four or five hour extravaganza 
And we may get a king and a queen crowned in the same night. But I love it. I love the fact that it's back. And I think with Royal Rumble, Survivor Series taking on a new life of its own with War Games, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, having King of the Ring in the middle of the year to act as their own G1 Climax, where everybody wants to be a part of this, crowning a new king, which means number one contender for SummerSlam, it's, it's, it sells itself. I don't need to describe this anymore to you guys. You guys know what the importance of the King of the Ring is. I can't wait to see it back. John Cena. John Cena's name has been in the news a lot this week. Apparently, there is a rumor going around that John Cena could be back in the ring at WrestleMania 39. Now, I put a poll up on my community tab on Twitter. Or uh, on YouTube, rather. I didn't do it on Twitter. On YouTube. In my community tab on YouTube, I asked... With the rumor of John Cena coming back at WrestleMania 39 and wrestling in Los Angeles and Hollywood, who would you rather see John Cena go up against one-on-one at WrestleMania? The choices were Gunther, Edge, Austin Theory, and I believe I had another one on there. I forgot who it was, Um, but those were the big three. Those were definitely the big three. Let me see the other one that I had chosen um, it was Gunther, it was Logan Paul. It was Gunther, Logan Paul, Edge, and Austin Theory. Option four was Austin Theory. He came in with over 7,000 votes. Austin Theory got 39% of the votes. I'm like, wow, you guys really want to see Austin Theory and John Cena. So to me, you know, I'm not really anybody. But Austin Theory getting 39% of the votes out of 7,000, 7.2K votes. So over 7,200 votes, Austin Theory got 39%. A lot of you, that's a good gauge on what a lot of people think of Austin Theory and what a lot of people think of Austin Theory's future in the WWE. If you're ready to put him in the ring against John Cena and have him beat John Cena at WrestleMania, that is a great gauge for Austin Theory. Edge came in at... Number two with 27% of the votes. Gunther came in at number three with 18% of the votes. And Logan Paul is coming in at number four with 16% of the votes. He's just there because, you know, he's the hot topic right now because of the performance that he gave us in Saudi Arabia against Roman Reigns. I think John Cena versus Logan Paul would be a great match if they want to go and venture down that road. I don't think that's the best use of John Cena in WWE. Now, I've been saying that John Cena versus Edge, if this is Edge's last year, this is the only reason why I mentioned this. If John Cena is coming back and Edge, the last time we heard about Edge, I think he said something along the lines of he wants to retire in 2023. I don't know if that's true or not. We don't really know. These pro wrestlers, they say something one day and then they change their mind the next. We don't really know. Edge looks great. He's been one of the best parts of WWE television since he's been back. I hope he still has a little bit more left in the tank. And if Edge is really retiring and he wants to step away, I'm going to say Edge and John Cena is my number one match. Because I do think that John Cena, when you talk about feuds in John Cena's career, Edge is definitely near the top or at the top in some circles as best opponent in John Cena's career. The best feud in John Cena's career. That's just me. Now, I know a lot of people want Gunther. 
I would love to see it. I don't want to see the Intercontinental title on the line, but Gunther and John Cena is something that I'd like to see because that is something that I really feel is a marquee match. But we're going to save that for somewhere down the line. I do think that there is money in John Cena chasing number 17. I do. How likely is that of happening? I don't know. John Cena chasing number 17 would be great. But I would love I would love to see that match, but I'm going to hold off on it. You know, a lot of people talk about John Cena chasing number 17. Who would it be against? I've I seen people mention Edge in that discussion. I've seen people mention Randy Orton. But I'd love to see John Cena chase number 17, possibly against somebody like Gunther, when Gunther and his time comes to be world champion. When he's the world champion... Have John Cena face the fucking immovable object, the mountain of a man known as Gunther. That would be a great fucking challenge. Can he overcome Gunther for the world title, for number 17? So I'm going to hold off on that. I would actually like to see Gunther versus Sheamus at WrestleMania, with Sheamus getting the win over Gunther and securing a first-ever Intercontinental Championship. But a lot of people said Austin Theory, which I could absolutely see happening. Give me sport noted that Cena is expected to be wrestling at WrestleMania 39 next year in Los Angeles, although it is unclear who he would wrestle at the event. They said, and I quote, Cena should be there and Cena should be wrestling. I know he touches base every so often. And although Vince is out of the picture, Cena still has a lot of love for WWE. John Cena and Triple H have a very, very mutual respect for one another. It's great. Now, Russell Volts is also explaining that Cena wants to become the next Rock. And a match at WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles will help him achieve that. WrestleMania is still WrestleMania, and it's in Los Angeles. If Cena is legitimately trying to be the next Rock, you should perform at WrestleMania in Hollywood. And I think he'll be there, and I think it'll be in a wrestling capacity. I'll leave it at that. The Rock himself could be wrestling at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns. We don't know that right now yet. But John Cena... Wrestling at WrestleMania definitely presents a lot of options. There is something else that is going around that I just found out about late last night. As people were tweeting about a video that they saw on Stone Cold Steve Austin's Instagram. And he's working out. And a lot of people are attributing this to Steve Austin getting in ring shape. And getting in ring shape for a possible WrestleMania match again at WrestleMania 39, following the the success of what he did against Kevin Owens at WrestleMania 38 this year. Now, people are fucking stupid, and they literally take everything as, oh my God, it's this. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't want to film himself fucking working out to look at progress as he's working out to... Compare his body to maybe, I don't know, a month ago or two months ago. Stone Cold Steve Austin seems like the type of guy that works out uh, several times a week. So a lot of people are thinking, yep, this means that he's coming back. For all we know, it's nothing. Steve Austin, like he's never worked out before. People automatically think Stone Cold Steve Austin's coming back because he filmed himself working out for Instagram or social media. So Steve Austin's name has been in the rumor mill And Austin did say, to be fair, Austin did say that he would be willing to listen to proposals for a WrestleMania 39 match in April following his successful return at WrestleMania 38 where he defeated Kevin Owens in the main event of night one. 
That doesn't mean he will necessarily wrestle again, but he could make an appearance if he doesn't want to do another match. Now, Austin, before the Kevin Owens match, was probably in the camp of, you know what, I don't want to wrestle, but I'll entertain offers. And then he actually got in there. He went nearly 20 minutes with Kevin Owens. Everybody loved it. Nobody said a bad thing about it. Everybody loved the way he looked and how he worked and how great Kevin Owens was taking care of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he he, he fed into all that and said, you know what, maybe I can continue to do this once a year and come back when it really is meaningful. Now, Stone Cold doesn't seem like the type of guy. He's been away for so long. How long ago, uh, how long has he been away before that? Was 19 years? Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to come back and just randomly go up against somebody, some no-name on the roster that nobody really cares to see him in the ring with. He always felt like the type of guy that's going to come back and wrestle one match if it really meant something important to him, something that he wanted to do, something that was going to continue building his legacy instead of tearing it down. He never wanted to be that type of guy. He never wanted to be the undertaker who said, you know, I don't want to do this until I'm 60 and then wither away and embarrass myself. Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't feel like that type of guy. But now the idea with Austin possibly wrestling at WrestleMania, he says, and I quote, I would really imagine that within the scope of that show, that's going to be a big show in a big time city and it's going to be a two night event again So I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I'm done wrestling per se, but as part of WWE, I can't imagine I would not be there in some capacity. And I'm not booking myself on the show because I didn't book myself on 38. That's a Vince McMahon thing. And I have a great relationship with him. And if I get the call, I will be there. End quote. So now the discussion is opened up as far as Stone Cold and maybe him wrestling on the show and what he would actually be doing on the show. If you're going to bring in Stone Cold, to me, this is the way I see it. If you're going to bring in Stone Cold, it's got to be better than what he did against Kevin Owens this year at 38. You can't bring Stone Cold Steve Austin and have him be a guest appearance or a fucking guest host on the show. Nobody wants to see that. After they saw him wrestle last year and do great at it, They're going to bring him back this year and have him do guest host duties or a backstage skit or a fucking in-ring promo, right? He did everything that you could possibly do at this year's WrestleMania. He wrestled Kevin Owens. He stunned Austin Theory. He stunned Pat McAfee. He stunned Vince McMahon terribly. At some point, you got to think to yourself, well, I got to top what I did last year. You can't do that by just, hey, I'm going to appear on the show. I'm going to throw this out at you guys because I mentioned it on Twitter today. What if John Cena's opponent is Stone Cold Steve Austin? Now, I know some people may not want to see that because you feel a certain way about John Cena. But realistically, look at the list of opponents that John Cena would have at WrestleMania. We went through them. Austin Theory, Edge, Logan Paul, Gunther. I know I would rather see a John Cena versus Stone Cold Steve Austin than a John Cena against an Austin Theory. I know Edge is my number one, but that is only if Edge is retiring. But you look at Stone Cold and John Cena, the two men who led their generations legitimately. It was Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, and then after them came John Cena. It's basically generation versus generation. How old do you think Stone Cold Steve Austin is is right now? What is he, 55? 
How much longer do you think Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to want to be out there in the public eye and say, yeah, I want to wrestle? If you present him a match with John Cena and a storyline to go behind it, why the fuck not? Generation versus generation, you're never going to be able to do it again if Austin is even contemplating doing a match. That should be the first order of business that you get out there for WrestleMania. John Cena and Stone Cold Steve Austin, generation versus generation, and you give that match to the WWE fans because you'll never get to see it again. Next year, Austin may want to wrestle. In 2024, he may say, you know what, I'm done. And then you will have missed the opportunity to do something like that. That's back in the day could have been. Could have been. If he didn't get hurt. And he didn't walk away and didn't want to hang up his boots. But now he's back talking about potentially wrestling. Talking about potentially being part of the show. And John Cena now, the rumors that he may be there in Los Angeles to build his own resume. On a show that may include Dwayne against Roman. You're going to skip on the opportunity to do John Cena and the and Stone Cold Steve Austin? There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why the fuck would you pass that opportunity up? That's what I'm going with. I don't know what you guys think, but that's what I'm going with. I don't give a shit what anybody says. John Cena is good enough to where he can lead Stone Cold Steve Austin to a decent match. And Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't do anything that embarrassed himself against Kevin Owens. So why not? Why not? He's 58 years old. 58. He looks to be in great shape. Why not? Even more so. He doesn't want to be doing this into his 60s. He doesn't need to. But if he he has any interest right now, then you're going to go ahead and do that. Imagine. Imagine we're talking about WrestleMania right now. Imagine. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus John Cena. Rock versus Roman. Right? I mentioned Edge. Well, J.D., if Edge is, is your number one guy against John Cena... And you want to do John Cena versus Stone Cold. Who are we putting against Edge for his possible last WrestleMania? I'm putting him in there against Brock Lesnar. I don't know what you guys think. I think that'd be a great fucking match. I think that'd be a match that a lot of people would take great interest in. Edge versus Brock Lesnar. John Cena versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Rock versus Roman. Logan Paul versus whomever. Because he may be there. Depending on if the injury is legit or not. Gunther versus Sheamus. The Usos versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Sasha Banks may be back. Who knows how she's going to factor in to the Women's Championship? 
Rhea Ripley. We don't know how she's going to fit. Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. We may get Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey. You already get a sense of where the WrestleMania card is starting. Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes. It's already taking shape. You could see it. And you could already start piecing some of those puzzles together on what would really make a great WrestleMania. I don't know. That's what I'm doing. I don't know what you guys feel like, but that's what I'm doing. Now, WWE, on top of this Cena talk, on top of this Steve Austin talk, there's a lot of talk about WWE bringing in celebrities, and Nick Khan is going to be the gateway to all of that. The report is stating that CEO Nick Khan, co-CEO, I should say, Nick Khan has a lot of connections from his days as an agent in Hollywood with people in sports and entertainment. So that's one way they could get some outside names to be a part of the show. As previously reported, John Cena just talked about he may be in for a match. They're looking to bring him in for a match. This would be his first match since SummerSlam 2021 where he wrestled Roman Reigns, which I thought was very underwhelming. Steve Austin is reportedly opening to listening to offers for a match seeing how successful his return was this year against Kevin Owens. WWE still hoping for The Rock to come on in, and they are looking to have the WrestleMania Goes Hollywood be legit. And Dave Meltzer even added that they're trying to bring in a lot of celebrities. They want a lot of celebrity involvement in the show with the theme of being from Hollywood and the mainstream attention that comes from celebrities being at WrestleMania. Now, that's a given. You know that's going to happen. Just with the whole Hollywood theme, you're probably going to get a lot more Hollywood connects. You're probably going to get a lot of celebrity, a lot more celebrities than previous years just based on the location of WrestleMania this year. I'm okay with it as long as they keep it to a minimum, sitting in the crowd, giving them a nice little spotlight, maybe a backstage vignette here, a backstage vignette there, a skit, or maybe an in-ring promo to kind of break up the flow of the show, whatever. That doesn't mean I want to go see fucking uh, Jersey Shore actors wrestling in WWE. I don't need to see uh, Paulie D wrestling in WWE or or fucking J-Wow or uh, Snooki wrestling in WWE. Sorry. No. Now, we got got enough of that with uh, Johnny Knoxville and the fucking circus that was against Sami Zayn this year at WrestleMania. We don't need that. I would assume that Pat McAfee's going to get a match. Logan Paul is going to get a match. We may get Logan Paul and Jake Paul on the show. That, to me, is fine. That, to me, is fine. That is acceptable because we now know what Logan Paul is capable of. They're just, they're not human. Those guys are not human. So, bring them on in. That's fine. As long as they are an accent to the show and not something that's going to hamper the show down, I'm fine with it. But celebrity involvement, expect a lot of it at WrestleMania. Bray Wyatt. We know he's going to be involved at WrestleMania and somehow because we had read reports in previous weeks that the WWE creative plan is going to take Bray Wyatt from his return to Extreme Rules all the way into WrestleMania. We don't know how that's going to work and who he will be in the ring with. But Bray Wyatt right now has a lot of power. He's got a lot of pull just based on his popularity and the return that has been for Wyndham. Triple H has brought back several stars already, and now Bray Wyatt is trying to get into his ear to bring back two more. Bo Dallas and Eric Rowan. Now, Bo Dallas is the real-life brother of Bray Wyatt, who was in the WWE. 
He was an NXT champion. He was an integral part of the building process in the early days of NXT. He was a part of the B team with Curtis Axel, who I thought they dropped the ball on. I thought they were great. They could have been a great tag team, and WWE did nothing with them. They made them into a comedy joke. Now, Eric Rowan, his ties with Bray Wyatt go back to the early days of the Wyatt family, which, in my honest opinion, was the best Bray Wyatt, the best presentation of Bray Wyatt, and to me, one of the best stables that WWE has put together in the modern era. So he wants them both back in the company. Bray Wyatt does. He's trying to, I guess, lobby to Triple H to bring them back to the company. WrestleVotes talked about this this week with Give Me Sport. There's people that Bray likes that he wants to work with. Now, will they be back? I don't know. But he goes on to say, Bo Dallas is one of them, and so is Eric Rowan. If Eric wants to come back, I'm sure they would allow it if Bray also wanted it. Now, fans have been speculating the identity of the Uncle Howdy character on WWE television which may have been revealed after fans pointed out a similarity between the Uncle Howdy that we saw on television and one of the diamond earrings that Bo Dallas used to wear when he was back on WWE television. It was the same earring. Now, that could just be a little Easter egg to throw people off. We don't know with Bray. He loves doing shit like that. You think you have, you have something figured out, and then he puts something like that in there as a clue to throw off the scent. Brian Alvarez reported that Bo Dallas was actually supposed to be back with the company, so it would make sense for Dallas to be in the group that his brother will eventually lead. We don't even know if Wyatt is going to lead a group. We don't know what the Wyatt Six are. The Wyatt Six could basically be six versions of Bray Wyatt. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get six members of a group to form the Wyatt Six. I don't know. My prediction is that we get everybody kind of thinking along the lines of Bray having these meltdowns and these these visions and these alter egos just show and reveal themselves on TV. And he's going to go through six different versions of himself and he's going to find people to fill out those six different versions to fill out what he wants as the Wyatt Six. It could be. But then I look at the landscape of WWE. Do we have any group in WWE, that is of six individuals. Everybody's in a trio. The only group that we see is the bloodline. I don't know. Unless he's going to form a group together to take down the bloodline, which could spell the end of the bloodline. That may be something. Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns are just naturals. Bray Wyatt is the Joker to Roman Reigns' Batman. To me, they just have that fight forever vibe. That's the only thing that would work. If you want to talk about Wyndham and the Wyatt Six, the only thing that makes sense was to feud against somebody like Roman and the Bloodline. Other than that, every other group on WWE TV is comprised of a trio. So having a group of six doesn't really make sense unless the plan is for them to go against the Bloodline. I don't know. Brian Alvarez says that Bo Dallas is going to be back with the company. I suspect he should be back. I mean, it's been in the news. A lot of people are really making a big deal about this earring on Uncle Howdy. I don't know how valid that is, but, you know, whatever makes you sleep easy at night. I'd like to see both of them back. I I want to see, and I mentioned this early in the week, the one thing that Bray Wyatt could definitely use as far as presentation is familiarity. Bo Dallas is familiarity. He's also family. 
Eric Rowan is familiarity. I think if we start going back and giving us just a little dough, I don't want it to be a completely, yeah, let's redo the Wyatt family all over again. I'd like to see some elements of that present itself, but I'd also like to see familiarity. I think with familiarity, it's going to give the fans even more excitement. It's going to generate buzz. It's going to create a nice topical discussion when it comes to Bray Wyatt. And I just feel like seeing those guys back on television that brought us back to that really, really great era of the Wyatt family, it's going to do good to see those familiar faces on TV standing alongside Bray Wyatt, working alongside Bray Wyatt. And I think the fans would really go crazy over that. I don't know. That's just the way I feel about it. But Bray Wyatt wants Bo Dallas and Eric Rowan back on WWE television. His first feud. We saw this on SmackDown. And I don't know if this is going to be what it is, but apparently a lot of people are talking about LA Knight. And that's good. You should know about LA Knight. You should be excited about LA Knight. Bray Wyatt's first feud in WWE could potentially be against LA Knight on Friday Night SmackDown. After weeks of being at war with himself and addressing his demons and addressing his anger issues, Bray Wyatt finally seemed to let some of that out on this past Friday's episode of SmackDown. In a backstage interview with Megan Morant, LA Knight complained about not being included in the eight-man bracket for the SmackDown World Cup, which I actually appreciate because you should want to be a part of the World Cup on SmackDown for the Intercontinental title. And how his absence from the tourney is a fumble that needs to be acknowledged by the announcers. Just then, the monitor behind him in this interview segment flashed a graphic of the Wyatt Six Moth logo, which seemed to further annoy LA Knight during this promo. Fix that. Go ahead and turn this trash off. LA Knight continued to scold the backstage crew during this backstage segment. I don't need his stuff here. This is my time. When Knight turned around, Bray Wyatt was standing in front of him, which took everybody by surprise because Bray Wyatt and LA Knight in the same segment, in the same promo segment, mind you, was not on anybody's WWE bingo card at the, at the beginning of the year. So he introduced himself to Bray Wyatt at LA Knight. I know we haven't met. My name is Bray Wyatt told LA Knight. So now we can be friends, right? I think I understand you. I can see all that anger and rage brewing inside you. Me too, man. Me too. My whole life, people have been telling me that my rage was going to make a monster out of me. For the longest time, I've been pretending that I'm not proud of the things that I do. I don't know how true that is anymore. I know what it takes to give respect, and I'm asking you, how far are you willing to go? L.A. Knight, in response, continued to mock all of the Firefly Funhouse and his previous persona. He says, and I quote, how far am I willing to go? Ain't none of your damn business. How far are you willing to go? Should be back to your romper room, playing with your little puppets and sticking them anywhere they give you pleasure. It's okay with me. But at the end of the day, if nobody asked you whose game is it, it's L.A. Knight's game. At this point, Wyatt got angry and another Wyatt graphic flashed behind L.A. Knight, and then Wyatt hit L.A. Knight with a headbutt and knocked him back, or knocked him to the floor. 
and Wyatt walked away. That was the last we've seen of both guys on Friday Night SmackDown. A lot of this, a lot of what we saw here is generating a ton of buzz, as it is with anything Bray Wyatt's a part of. But when you start including people that you don't expect, like LA Knight, people that could actually fucking talk, could talk his way out of any situation, he could be a babyface, he could be a heel. LA Knight is fucking great at what he does. If you put him in a fucking feud with Bray Wyatt or a segment with Bray Wyatt, it's going to generate a lot of interest because nobody expected it. Is this going to be a first feud? It could be. That's obviously the biggest thing that's jumping off the screen. Could this be a first feud? Maybe. Maybe. We're going to need to get Bray Wyatt in the ring at some point. We can't be fucking sitting on vignettes and QR codes for the fucking next four months. During all of this, he's got to at least wrestle. Once, twice, a couple of times, a handful of times. When's the first time we're going to see him wrestle? At WrestleMania? Bray Wyatt's got to be in the ring and Bray Wyatt's got to get in there after being away for a year and a half. We don't know how he's going to move, how, to, how he's going to operate. We don't know if there's any ring rust. You know, working in a gym and getting reps in the ring during a, a gym session is not the same as working in the ring with somebody like LA Knight in front of a fucking sold-out audience. Hearing that energy from the crowd. It's got to happen. We can't put it off. We can't continue to put it off and just say, yeah, we're okay with the vignettes. No, it needs to be a thing. So, yes, obviously the first thing that jumps off the page is a feud with LA Knight. I don't mind it. Bray Wyatt gets in the ring. LA Knight working with Bray Wyatt's going to make LA Knight a bigger name. I love it. Or it could be LA Knight is a part of the storyline and LA Knight has what Bray Wyatt, Wyatt needs. Maybe what LA Knight has is what Uncle Howdy wants Bray Wyatt to go out there and take. That doesn't mean LA Knight's going to be a part of the Wyatt Six. I know a lot of people are making correlations to L.A. Knight and Rambling Rabbit. I could see it. I could absolutely see it. L.A. Knight, like I said, could talk his way out of any situation. Rambling Rabbit used to open his mouth and run his mouth a lot, and it got him into trouble. That I could see L.A. Knight kind of being. The Wyatt Six? I don't know. I don't think Wyatt's going to be a part of anything, Bray. Uh, I don't think L.A. Knight's going to be a part of anything, Bray Wyatt, but... What I do think is that Bray Wyatt needs something that L.A. Knight has, and he's going to take that out of L.A. Knight because Uncle Howdy is telling him to do so. L.A. Knight's going to be fine on his own. I don't think L.A. Knight needs anybody. But it's, it's very interesting. I don't know where it's going, and that's the beauty of it. We don't know. Nobody expected it. Nobody was anticipating L.A. Knight and Bray Wyatt. Now we got it, and we want to see more of it because whatever they gave us on Friday night was just perfect. Very, very interesting stuff. And I know a lot of people are going to be looking for the next follow-up here between these two because they left you with a lot, and that's what Triple H does, man. That's how he operates. Give them a little, they're going to want more. Robert Roode. We talked about this earlier in the week as well. Bobby Roode may be on his way back to WWE, expected to be back in the ring very, very soon. In September, Bobby Roode posted on social media that he was dealing with injuries, and he posted a photo from South Lake Orthopedics in Birmingham, Alabama, and mentioned that he would be returning home after what he had hoped was a successful trip. Roode thanked South Lake and Andrew Sports Medicine, which usually handles surgeries for injured WWE stars. He also attached a photo to the post that indicated he underwent surgery 
but he did not elaborate on why he was visiting doctors. PW Insider followed up and reported that Bobby Roode was spotted in Birmingham, and that was on Wednesday, and WWE officials hope that he will be back from his injury issues soon. Although, he's listed as a Raw star. There's been talk about him going back to SmackDown once he returns. There's no word on why Roode has been out of action, and before he got uh, injured and was taken off of television, they did align him with Dolph Ziggler, as he was a tag team with Dolph, known as the Dirty Dogs. I don't give a shit where they put Bobby Roode. Wherever they put Bobby Roode. SmackDown would probably be best to me. Wherever they put Bobby Roode, he needs to go back to being glorious Bobby Roode. There's no reason why he should not come back with the theme music, with the robe, with the entrance, and that fucking bravado, that cockiness that he had. There's no reason. If there's one guy who knows exactly what Bobby Roode was missing, it's Triple H. What Bobby Roode is missing, Vince killed because they thought Bobby Roode should have been a babyface because he had theme music that everybody was singing along to. Bobby Roode was getting over on his own. This is the fucking problem with Vince McMahon and the way he handled things. Bobby Roode was organically going to get over. There's no way anybody has that presentation and that theme and you're not going to get over. He was getting over on his own, and it was facilitated by that theme song. WWE was like, no, we don't want to push him. He's too old. He came from Triple H and NXT. We don't really have any value with him. We want to go younger. He doesn't really fit our age demographic. We'll just put him in a fucking tag team with Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, that's going to do great career wonders for Bobby Roode, right? Align him with some, and I, I love Dolph. I think Dolph is one of the best pro wrestlers that they have on that roster, but aligning somebody... Like Bobby Roode with Dolph is career suicide because Dolph has been dead for years. Nobody gives a shit about Dolph Ziggler and nobody takes Dolph Ziggler to be serious. He's just there. The best thing for Dolph at the time was to leave WWE and go reinvent himself if he wanted to somewhere else. Because WWE wasn't giving him the platform to do so. So they paired both of them together and basically they were both losers. They didn't really take them seriously. They didn't do anything serious with them. But if anybody knows what Bobby Roode is missing, it's Triple H. Absolutely no reason why he should be back without any of what he did at NXT. When he was in NXT, he was the best heel in the entire company. The two best heels in WWE in this generation have come from NXT. Tommaso Ciampa and Bobby Roode. And there's nobody that's going to convince me otherwise. We haven't seen a heel like that anywhere in WWE. That's what he needs to go back and do. And Triple H knows that. Chelsea Green. She may be on her way back to WWE after what happened on Thursday's Impact. <laughs> man, I don't know. You might have missed it, man. Who's watching Impact on Thursday, man? You might have missed what I'm about to tell you, man. How many, how many people? Listen, bro. How many people... How many people were watching Impact live at the Impact Zone? How many this week? Wow. Five. Five. Bro, listen, I, I got how many people? How many people in comparison to NWA, bro? Four. Wow, they beat out NWA. That's a that's a shocker, man. That's a shocker. So be, let me tell, let me ask you. So between Impact having five. And NWA Hard Times 3 having four fans. We had a total of nine fans in attendance for both shows, man. Wow, that's crazy. 
I had more people in line this morning trying to buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks than I had in the arena for both shows goodbye. That's fucking great, man. That's fucking crazy. I mean, who's watching it? Nobody's watching Impact, okay? No wonder why Chelsea Green is leaving. She wants to perform in front of arenas full of people and energy. She don't want to sit there with the fucking fat slob wearing the fucking Mr. Kennedy t-shirt from 20 years ago watching Impact. (laughs) Nobody gives a shit. Chelsea Green. She lost to Mickey James on the show. I wouldn't know. I didn't watch it. After the match was over, I did watch the, because I seen it on Twitter. After the match, a promo aired with Green being upset that she didn't beat James and how we sh- how she was supposed to retire her. She was so upset that she told Deanna Perrazzo as she was leaving the arena with her luggage that she was going home. This appears to be the way Impact will write her off television. As previously reported, WWE has a significant interest in bringing Chelsea Green back to the company. This comes at a time when Triple H brought back several stars who were released under the WWE regime. Green previously claimed that she was not contacted about returning to WWE, but why the fuck would she? Why would she go out there and say, yeah, I've been contacted to return? Of course she's not going to say anything, man. I'm sure Sap was begging for the scoop. WWE stated in a recent interview that she felt like, uh, or she did rather, stating about WWE, stating in a recent interview that she felt like she had unfinished business in WWE because of how her first run ended up. Her first run did not go as planned. She dealt with injuries before being let go by Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard. Alongside several other wrestlers at the time, they were making massive cuts. Following her WWE departure, she wrestled for companies like Impact, NWA, GCW, and others. Now, the thing that I can tell you as far as Chelsea Green, and this is how I feel about her returning. You know, we've seen Triple H bring back Mia Yim. We've seen Triple H bring back Candice LeRae. We've seen Triple H bring back a lot of people. I don't want him to bring in... I think we need to start doing things, and this fell off my fucking monitor. Um, We need to start doing things a little bit differently than what Triple H has done in this few months he's been in charge. You know, with WWE... They just bring in people that were recently fired or fired previously in the old administration. Nobody really had any idea about who they were. And they bring them back thinking that everybody's going to remember, oh, yeah, Hit Row. Oh, yeah, Top Dollar, B-Fab, and Ashante Adonis. They, they had, what, four weeks of television before they got the axe? Who remembered Hit Row from the main roster? Candice LeRae never appeared on the main roster at all. Candice LeRae makes her return to WWE. Great. I love Candice. Who doesn't? She never made one match on the main roster, and Triple H brings her back, throws her out there against uh, damage control. Why? Who the fuck is she to the audience? No vignettes, no nothing. Same thing with everybody. I mean, the only one that you're going to know of, somebody like Braun Strowman, you know, You're going to remember who Braun Strowman is. Braun Strowman had an impact on the main roster. But Braun Strowman, you know, he was a main event guy, former WWE champion. It's going to be very difficult to forget somebody like that. Candice LeRae never made a fucking main roster appearance. Mia Yim, 
She was under a fucking mask for most of her main roster run. Nobody knew who the fuck she was. All they knew was, oh, yeah, the, the one with blue hair and retribution, if they even remember that. What they need to do is create those coming attractions, those coming soon vignettes. Chelsea Green needs to be a big deal in the WWE if they are indeed bringing her back. What this also means is that it could open the door for Matt Cardona to come back to the WWE. And Matt Cardona has spent most of his professional wrestling career in the WWE under the Zack Ryder gimmick. But he's already stated that if I come back to WWE, and yes, I do have aspirations of potentially having that happen again, I'd be lying, he says, if I told you I didn't want to WrestleMania, uh, have a, a big spot on WrestleMania, be on the WrestleMania card again and get another WrestleMania moment and win the world title. Of course he wants that. He went out there and did exactly what Cody Rhodes did. He made a name for himself. Outside of WWE, showing everybody that he didn't need WWE to become a bigger star. Matt Cardona's a bigger star now than he was in WWE in all the years he spent there. Now he's going to go back there, his best self. He's going to go back 100%. Why would he go back to Zack Ryder that holds no value and give up Matt Cardona, who has all the value? And I know WWE loves trademarking and copywriting shit, and they want their own... IP on everything, but Jesus fucking Christ, man, you're going to bring somebody like that in who's reinvented himself and not utilize him because his name is Matt Cardona and you want to put a fucking gimmick name behind him? No. It needs to be Matt Cardona. And Chelsea Green needs to come back as Chelsea Green, but we need vignettes. We need vignettes leading up to her return. I don't want her to show up on SmackDown Yes, here's Shotzi in the ring, and then Chelsea Green makes her... Who the fuck is Chelsea Green to the main roster audience? Nobody knows who she is. Nobody. We need... Hey, this one is coming. Four weeks. Four weeks, easy, minimum, of vignettes. Coming attraction. They used to do it back in the day. I don't know why we've gone away from that. Let's shift gears and talk about the NWA, man. I talked about the NWA. Mentioning Chelsea Green worked for the NWA. I believe she worked. Some of their shows, I believe she was on that Empower show that they did. Their all-women's pay-per-view that was spearheaded by Mickey James. Tyrus. Tyrus won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship at their Hard Times 3 show. Now, I really couldn't find any. I don't really give a fuck about Nick Aldis. I don't. Nick Aldis, uh, you know, listen, Nick Aldis is very good, okay? If there's, if there's storytellers in the business that I give utmost respect to, it is Nick Aldis. I think he's very good at what he does. Why isn't Nick Aldis in WWE? Why is he working for NWA, right? Because Nick Aldis has a problem with Bruce Prichard. That's my... That's my going speculation. Nick Aldis has a fucking problem with Bruce Pritchard, and Bruce Pritchard is still involved with WWE creative. That's just me. Mickey James was treated like shit when she was in WWE. John Laurinaitis and Bruce Pritchard, they were single-handedly involved in all that shit. And Nick Aldis, who's married to Mickey James, obviously is going to take defense of his wife. So why isn't he in WWE? Because he doesn't want to work for a scumbag like Bruce Prichard. There's a lot of fallout coming from an interview that Billy Corgan did with some fucking geek online that I don't even want to mention because his content is shit. 
Billy Corgan did this interview, and there seems to be issues between Nick Aldis and Billy Corgan, who owns NWA. Fightful was scheduled to interview Nick Aldis, but after the news broke that Aldis gave his notice after he was pulled from this weekend's shows by NWA, the interview was postponed. Aldis noted that Corgan's disrespect towards himself and his wife, Mickey James, in the lead-up to and after the Empower pay-per-view is a huge reason the relationship between Aldis and NWA soured. Now, it was also stated that both have never spoken about this publicly because Aldis was a top star in the company. Fightful adds that several women who have regularly appeared for the promotion felt disrespected by Corgan and Trevor Murdoch, claiming who was the former world champion, Trevor Murdoch claiming that there wasn't enough depth or women in NWA for a second Empower show. Now, that's complete bullshit. I, I, I don't really... See, this is where... See, this is where you start diving into the scumbagness, the fucking shadiness of pro wrestling. Let me repeat that line to you again, okay? Billy Corgan and Trevor Murdoch claim that there wasn't enough depth or enough women for a second Empower show. Most of the women that NWA utilized for this Empower show came from the Indies, and came from AEW. Tony Khan funded a lot of that show even taking place, from what I remember him saying. A lot of the AEW talent was paid by Tony Khan to go appear on that show. But they're out here saying that there isn't enough women for another Empower show. Now, I can get into a whole nother fucking situation He'll open up a whole nother can of worms about another Empower show. How many fucking pay-per-view buys did the first Empower show do? I'm assuming it aired on Fight TV, right? How many buys did the first Empower show do? I, I don't have an exact number. Somebody, listen, if you guys want to go and check it out, I'd love for one of my VIPs to post it in the chat. I'm going to make a guesstimation. I'm going to guess that the pay-per-view didn't even do over 4,000 buys on fight. Okay? But you want another Empower show because, ah, we got to push women's wrestling and we got to push the narrative of women's wrestling. If people wanted women's wrestling, people would go out there and buy women's wrestling. How many women did you feature on the show that featured NWA women, women from the Indies, top names from the Indies, AEW women, featured them all on the same show, led by Mickey James, who is a fucking legend in the business. Old Impact names, TNA names were on the show as well, and it did less than 4,000 buys. Maybe, maybe less than 3,000. I have no fucking clue. Women's wrestling is not a draw on its own. Women's wrestling is a great accent to an existing wrestling show. Women's wrestling as a spotlight, we're not there yet. We're not. Look at WWE. WWE had their own evolution pay-per-view. Why haven't we seen another one? Because the show sucked. It did not make waves It did not do anything 
And it did not present itself as a great business opportunity for WWE. Women's wrestling is not a draw. They did 3,500 buys, says Mel's Matt Chat in the, in the VIP section. Look, 3,500 buys for Empower. You know, I get in trouble for being honest. I get in way too much trouble for being honest. If Billy Corgan and Trevor Murdoch came out and said, well, they did 3,500 buys, it's not, that may, that may be a lot for NWA, but they ain't, they ain't keeping the fucking lights on for uh, an extended period of time. If they came out and said, well, the first one didn't really do as good. The first one didn't perform up to our standards. We're not going to go and do another one. What would be the difference if they did another one compared to a second, uh, the first one? A second one compared to the first one. If they were a little bit more open and honest, there wasn't enough depth. What's with these PG answers? The show did not resonate. It did not do what I expected it to do. We're not going to do another one. Maybe sometime down the line, but not right now. That's all you needed to say. But to say there wasn't enough depth. NWA themselves doesn't have enough depth. The fuck are you talking about? They barely have any fucking resources to keep the fucking lights on. Billy Corgan said this during this interview. I'm really intrigued by the interest in Empower. There's no interest in Empower. 3,500 people is not interest. We continue to want to do it. We continue to have discussions with other companies about working together to create a fresh Empower event. The last time I talked about it, I created some headlines because people took umbrage with the fact, in fact, I have Maria Canellis and I've known Maria for many years. I love Maria. But even Maria Canellis is calling me out saying something about we have women and da, 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 blah, blah, blah. I think every company has the right to decide their level of standard. When you create a world-class event like Empower, and it was a world-class event, we set a very, very high standard of what you should expect. Of course, there are plenty of great professional wrestlers in the world. Can they wrestle the NWA style? Can they carry a three-hour pay-per-view? Can they move the case of women's wrestling? Not just in wrestling, but in terms of international media moving forward. There are my concerns. So everybody has their own version of it. That's my version of it. And that's why I'm still on that. Until we can provide a world-class event with some of the best professional wrestlers in the world, of course, in this case, females on the card, then we won't do it. All this weird howling that goes on around seems very strange to me because you're talking about a positive and you're making it a negative and making a negative out of a positive. That's very weird to me. So Billy Corgan's basically telling you without actually telling you the show sucked. The show wasn't up to his level of standard or what he believes is the level of standard for NWA. Ba Billy Corgan is basically, basically telling you what they did and the performances of what we've seen sucked. Reading between the lines there. We've set a very, very high standard of what we should expect. You think Billy Corgan just fucking bought the NWA to just put a wrestling product out there? He's got a lot of prestige to live up to. Can they move the needle? Can they move the case of women's wrestling and not just in wrestling, but in terms of international media moving forward? Not with 3,500 buys. WWE failed with evolution, but everybody's calling for another one. Nobody gives a fuck about another revolution or revolution, I should say. 
Maybe somewhere down the line where Triple H has a fucking division that is ample enough and suitable enough to do another one. It's going to be better under Triple H than it was under Vince McMahon because they didn't give a fuck about it. How many how many TNA all-women's pay-per-views have they done? How many of them do you remember? They are just flash in the pan. Let's do it because it's the cool thing to do. Let's do it because everybody's getting on that fucking narrative that we got to give uh, women what they want and the, the, the equal rights to women. Fine. You want to go venture down that? Go ahead. But then you're going to end up like Billy Corgan, 3,500 buys and not wanting to do it because it didn't generate any fucking interest. And that's what's going to happen with everything. Nick Aldis, he tweeted, if some of you are wondering whether stuff like this factored into my decision to give my notice, you'd be correct. So basically, he felt like Billy Corgan was disrespecting his wife. Also, fans in NOLA, sorry to disappoint you, but I was removed from the shows this weekend after giving my notice to NWA. I fully intend to fulfill my obligations to the audience, but unfortunately the company doesn't seem to share the same values. Tyrus then goes on and wins the NWA World Championship at their show last night entitled Hard Times 3. It certainly is hard times if Tyrus, a.k.a. Brodus Clay, Somebody call my mama, Brodus Clay, is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. So, basically, Billy Corgan said that there's a level of standard, a very, 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 very high level of standard that NWA needs to live up to and basically use this to basically shit all over Nick Aldis. That's what this decision was made for. Heading into hard times, Trevor Murdoch carried the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Murdoch was originally scheduled to wrestle Matt Cardona for the world title. Cardona was cashing in his promise from Billy Corgan for a title shot in exchange for peacefully relinquishing the title upon injury. Cardona was ready to reclaim the title he never lost. Tyrus entered the mix by cashing in the lucky seven rule as NWA television champion. So you win seven television title matches and you're guaranteed a world championship match. Or you successfully defend your television championship several times, you're guaranteed a world championship. I actually quite like that rule. I actually quite like that rule. I think WWE would do well with a a rule like that, but it may not fit into their overall creative plans. It worked for a promotion like NWA. Who doesn't have TV? Tyrus was so close to beating Murdoch for the goal that NWA 74 that he gave up his precious TV title in an effort to get another shot. Tyrus had the ultimate confidence in himself, and it paid off. Cardona entered first for the pay-per-view main event. Tyrus was next, accompanied by BLK. Murdoch arrived in the champion slot. The referee treated it like a marquee attraction. Murdoch requested that Titus step aside to give him 60 seconds alone with Cardona. Tyrus obliged. Cardona then... Gets out of the ring. So Tyrus and G's, B, uh, what's his name here? This is BLKG's, forced him back inside. Murdoch packed uh, Cardona with some offense. After a body slam by Murdoch, Tyrus entered the match. Murdoch surprised Tyrus with a flying bulldog finisher, which looked terrible. Cardona was on the outside and used his, uh, his presence on the outside to place Tyrus's foot on the ropes to break up the pinfall after the, the top rope bulldog. 
The match went on. Spine busted for Murdoch to Cardona. Tyrus then rammed Murdoch shoulder first into the ring post. Cardona attempted a flying crossbody. However, at this time, Tyrus caught him for a body slam. So then we got Funkasaurus following up with a running splash. Cardona kicked out. Chelsea Green was there. She ran down to help her husband Cardona by distracting the referee. Cardona landed a low blow, hit radio silence. Tyrus kicked out. Cardona regrouped on the outside, and he was trying to win the match and come up with a different strategy. He picked up the title belt, wanted to use it as a foreign object, and he planned to hit uh, Tyrus with it. Murnock came from behind for a roll-up on Cardona. He kicked out. And then towards the end of the match, um, he's in there with Tyrus. So Murdoch decided it was time for payback. So Murdoch, he is in there with Cardona. He was left bloody mess. He was on the floor due to uh, what ha- whatever happened with Cardona. Murdoch repaid the favor with a DDT on the floor. So Murdoch, Cardona, and Tyrus are, are there. And Murdoch, he made the mistake of taking his eyes off Tyrus. Murdoch rolled Cardona back into the ring with just focus on winning the match. Tyrus was waiting, ready to just win the match for himself. Murdoch turned around, and he walked right into a Tongan death grip and a choke slam. Tyrus picked up the win by pinning Murdoch to become the new NWA world champion. So I just basically gave you a play-by-play of the match that happened on Saturday night. Now, Nick Aldis went on, I believe, Instagram, and he posted this Instagram to his followers, and he says, I hope now you see why it was important for me to let you know that I had given my notice to the NWA before this pay-per-view. What was a once promising endeavor that I turned down bigger opportunities to take the lead on has become the most toxic brand in all of pro wrestling. Thank you for all of your support. Tyrus was made into the NWA world champion from what I gather here because... Billy Corgan wanted to make Nick Aldis look like a fucking fool for what he said. That's basically what I get out of this, and that's the gist of it. That was it. People online crying about Tyrus and fucking the NWA. I mean, now they have to live with the fact that Tyrus, who is probably one of the worst professional wrestlers on the face of the fucking planet, is now holding the NWA World Championship. And Billy Corgan made himself look like a fucking fool. He goes on and on and on about level of standard, very high level of standard in the NWA, but then gives the fucking World Championship to Tyrus. So he completely made himself out to be 100% a fucking hypocrite. And the NWA probably lost many, many, many fans on top of the fucking very few that they already have last night with hard times. I don't get it. So instead of holding true to your values and giving either Cardona or Murdoch the fucking win, you want to give the fucking title to Tyrus. This is what people were arguing about online Saturday night. Who's watching NWA? I got more people watching this fucking show, my show, weekly, than I have... NWA monthly. Give me a fucking break with this shit. Tyrus is a joke. NWA is a joke. Nick Aldis, I'm happy he left. If that's the fucking business that Billy Corgan's going to go out there and conduct, I'm glad he left. Who the fuck wants to be there? 
What Billy Corgan did proved Nick Aldis right in every sense of the word. Hypocrite down to the T. Now they have to live with Tyrus as their world fucking champion. Shifting gears to Monday Night Raw. Now we're going to get back to real wrestling. Brodus Clay, yes. Titus, not Titus, Tyrus. Tyrus is Brodus Clay, yes. Austin Theory. Austin Theory made history on Monday with his failed cash-in attempt. Austin Theory cashed in his Money in the Bank briefcase on Seth Rollins, which did not make any sense at all for the United States Championship. Now, Austin Theory cashed in on Seth Rollins after Bobby Lashley had brutally attacked him during what was supposed to be an open challenge before the match took place. Beat him up, and Austin Theory felt like, hey, I'm going to cash this in on the United States title, and I'm going to win an easy championship here. I'm going to get back my United States championship that I felt like I should have never even lost. Now, Theory did not win the championship. It made him out to be a complete blithering idiot. Though he did make cash, uh, cash in history as the first person to do so when opting to challenge for a secondary championship instead of a world championship. Theory had previously attempted to cash in on Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Championship at SummerSlam and then again at Clash of the Castle, but he ate an F5 from Brock Lesnar and he got punched in the face by Tyson Fury. Theory also teased cashing in for Braun Breaker's NXT Championship, which would have made another Money in the Bank first, as no man has ever cashed in for an NXT Championship match while holding the Money in the Bank briefcase. Now, it did not make any sense. None of this made any sense. Honestly, it insulted my intelligence. It insulted a lot of people's intelligence on Monday night. First of all, Austin Theory was holding the briefcase for a world championship opportunity. He cashes in for a United States champion. It's not in the rules. For a world championship opportunity. He thought with months remaining, he had till July to cash in the briefcase. You mean to tell me that he thought whatever happened on Monday would be the greatest opportunity that he could have found himself in to cash in this briefcase for a championship. So let me go for the United States Championship and let not let me not even contemplate maybe a world title, an intercontinental title, a fucking NXT title. He wants to go for the United States Championship. First of all, it should be for a world championship. That's what's in the rules. That's what we've been given for the duration of the lifespan of Money in the Bank. World Championship Opportunity. Not United States, not NXT, not Intercontinental. Okay? Now, the second reason why I felt like this insulted my intelligence is that Austin Theory cashed in his briefcase on what was an open challenge. It was an open challenge, meaning anybody could have challenged Seth Rollins. Now, maybe not in that moment. The open challenge might have not been, you know, the way it should have been. Maybe Rollins was not wanting to wrestle after what Bobby Lashley did to him. He didn't want to wrestle Austin Theory after what Bobby Lashley did to him. But even at that point, 
It's for a United States championship. Why the fuck is he out there? Everybody called this bullshit. This made everybody look fucking stupid. It made the fans look stupid. It made Austin Theory look stupid. And then he loses the briefcase after still cashing in the Money in the Bank briefcase. He cashed the fucking thing in and could not beat Seth Rollins, who was brutally beaten by Bobby Lashley. A fresh Austin Theory who only wrestled Shelton Benjamin on the show and won in two minutes. Everybody came out looking stupid on Monday. Now, I did say, now, I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but WWE, if they wanted Austin Theory to go back to NXT, get rid of this briefcase, go back to NXT and cash in on Braun Breaker, I would have taken that so much more over him cashing in on a fucking United States championship. At least at that point, it still can be considered a heavyweight championship or a world championship. The NXT World Championship. I would have taken that because we have seen the NXT Championship get cashed in on because Charlotte Flair beat Rhea Ripley for the NXT Championship by winning the Royal Rumble. Why that needed to happen when it happened, I don't know. But that was a thing, so they did it with the women. I would have liked to seen that, at least compared to this, done for Austin Theory. I would have had him beat Braun Breaker and Braun Breaker get called up to the main roster, as I do think that Braun Breaker's ready for the main roster and you want to give Austin Theory some time as a world champion, so be it. NXT probably would have been the best platform for him to do that. And I do think Austin Theory matches up a lot better with a lot of the guys down there in the main event scene than Braun Breaker does. That's just me. I don't know. I would have taken that 10 times out of 10 over what they did with the United States Championship and him cashing in on Seth Rollins. It was fucking stupid. Corey Graves and Elias spoke out negatively on the Austin Theory failed cash-in. Corey Graves has shared his honest thoughts on Austin Theory's Money in the Bank cash-in, admitting that he's furious with how things played out. He says this on After the Bell, and I quote, I'm furious with how it all played out. I was furious as it was unfolding before our very eyes, mere feet away from us, as Theory strutted his way down to the aisle, down the ring. I think the world of Austin Theory, and I truly believe what Mr. McMahon was saying six months ago, this guy could be the guy. I understand things change. Everything has changed. Everything in our universe has changed in the last few months. He could not believe what he was seeing because what he was seeing did not make any sense whatsoever. And then Elias, he actually spoke out about it on the bump with Kayla Braxton and the fucking circus that's on the bump. He says, and I quote, I'm going to be honest here. I thought the whole thing was a little bit bizarre. First off, it's an open challenge. There you go. He even got fucking people on that roster saying, yes, it was an open challenge. First off, it was an open challenge. So what are you doing in the first place? Secondly, Then he wants to use it on a random Monday Night Raw. If I was Austin Theory and I had money in the bank, I would have waited for a bigger moment and maybe somebody like Roman Reigns when they are vulnerable. So, hey, I get it. Seth, he's resilient. He did it again. He came out on top. But as for Austin Theory, I think the whole thing's bizarre all around. WWE, that's all they needed to do. That's all they needed to do. They could have waited For the opportunity when Roman Reigns would defend that championship on any night. 
and have Austin Theory lose. That was it. And then you'd be wiped clean. Your hands would be wiped clean of the money in the bank briefcase. But they made the fans look stupid. They made Austin Theory look stupid. They made the briefcase look fucking worthless. Cashing it in on a United States title instead of a world championship. But the decision was made. And Austin Theory is no longer Mr. Money in the Bank. So where do we go from here? Why was it done? Triple H took that briefcase off of Austin Theory because it was merely a statement to the old administration. Triple H took that briefcase off of Austin Theory because we are now getting ready. This is the normal time where people with a brain start getting ready for WrestleMania season. Plans are in motion for WrestleMania season right now. War Games is the last pay-per-view in WWE until the Royal Rumble. There will not be another pay-per-view in WWE all year outside of NXT deadline on December 14th. Triple H does not want to have his WrestleMania plans with this big fucking, this big hump on his back known as Austin Theory bogging him down with the money in the bank briefcase. So he wants it gone. He wants to go into 2023 with a fresh slate. He wants champions where they need to be. He wants challengers where they need to be lined up with the champions that they will be facing going into WrestleMania season. He wants shows that are going to produce results. Not with the money in the bank briefcase attached to it. This was the best decision to make. Could it have been a much better decision? Yes. But Roman Reigns may not defend the world championship for the rest of the fucking year. So Austin Theory may not have had an opportunity, but that doesn't mean you couldn't have done it in NXT. The NXT option was always there for him. WWE did this because they wanted to to correct the wrongs that Vince McMahon did. Austin Theory should have never even won Money in the Bank. Seth Rollins should have been Money in the Bank. Seth Rollins should have won that ladder match and he should be still holding that championship briefcase today. If Seth Rollins was Mr. Money in the Bank, there would not be a failed cash-in. There would not be a cash-in for a United States championship. Seth Rollins was the guy, and Vince McMahon wanted to give us Austin Theory. That was it. So basically, when you ask yourself, well, why did Austin Theory lose the briefcase? It wasn't because of everything else you hear everywhere else. It's because of what I'm telling you. Triple H did not want any of this to be an issue for him going into WrestleMania season. And Triple H, when he got there, always looked at Austin Theory as the future, but not with that briefcase. Austin Theory was never going to be the world champion, ever. Especially now. He's not ready for it. He's not prepared for it. He's not beating Roman Reigns. Nobody's beating Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is not losing the championship From where we sit now, he's going through WrestleMania as the world champion. If I had my way, Cody Rhodes would be wrestling Roman Reigns and winning the world title at WrestleMania, but I don't think we're going there. Austin Theory was never cashing that that briefcase in. So why hold him with it? Everybody knew that. But the question is, why did they go and do what they did? It really started questioning Triple H's motives. Are they burying Austin Theory? No. Triple H is not burying Austin Theory. If I was a betting man, Triple H probably thinks the world of Austin Theory. Triple H's team hired Austin Theory. Why would they bury him? 
Triple H presented Austin Theory on NXT Black and Gold way back when Triple H was still in charge. Why would he bury him? He only wanted to to, to correct the wrongs and to create a situation where Austin Theory did not have the briefcase holding him back. Now, if you want to look at the positives here, Austin Theory is going to be in the main event program on Monday Night Raw because the United States Championship is acting as a world championship right now because Roman Reigns is holding the WWE title, which is tied to Monday Night Raw. Austin Theory is in the main event scene of Monday Night Raw now with Seth Rollins. As Seth Rollins now turned babyface. So there is positives to come out of this. Austin Theory is in the top program. Seth Rollins just became a babyface. We got the Hurt Business possibly getting back. There is positives to come out of this. The overall execution of this was fucking ridiculous. And it's skewing people from thinking about the positives. It could have been done a lot better. And when you got guys like Corey Graves, who is there every fucking week calling it out, and guys like Elias calling it out, you know you fucked up. It could have been done a lot better than what we got on Monday night. Now, is the Triple H honeymoon phase over? No. I don't think this has any... any bearing on what Triple H is doing or what he plans to do moving forward. Triple H is still, right now, to me, presenting the best television product on WWE television in many, many years. He's presenting the best product, in my honest opinion, on all of weekly television, and you could take that to the fucking bank. You could quote me on it. WWTV's been better than AEW television since Triple H has taken over. And that's not because I'm... Nut-hugging Triple H. It's not because I'm dick-riding Triple H. I mean, these are the noobs that don't watch my my content. I've been fucking pro-Triple H since the days of black and gold. I mean, this is going on, what, 10 years now. For years, on this show, I've said, Triple H and the way he's done things on NXT should be done on the main roster. I've been saying it for years while I was laughed at by fucking geeks online who was proven to be right. I was. Take a seat. Are we full-fledged black and gold on the main roster? No. But it's the closest thing to the black and gold that we've gotten since the death of the black and gold. And that I can appreciate. He's making better television than Tony Khan right now, I'll tell you that. Tony Khan's got one hell of a fucking roster. I feel like there's no sense of urgency going into full gear. I feel like there are stories, but the stories aren't really fulfilling. Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter, fine. Should be a great match. MJF and John Moxley, there's a story there. Is it one that I'm interested in completely with the likes of MJF being involved? No. No, I'm not. The acclaimed and swerve in our glory, it's probably the, the most important thing that I'm looking forward to outside of, MJ, uh, outside of MJF winning the world championship on Saturday. That's the one thing I'm looking forward to most. Jungle Boy and, 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 and Luchasaurus in a steel cage match. Long-term booking. It may be the only match on the card. That really embodies long-term booking. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Sting and Darby Allen. No. No, I'm not here for that whatsoever. And whatever else they got, the Soraya versus Britt Baker. We got Kenny Omega and the Elite possibly coming back. I mean, Full Gear is going to be a good show if they keep it to what they have now. But... You got to be out of your fucking mind if you think AEW television is creating better programming than WWE right now. They're not. The Ring of Honor World title should be great too. Jericho, Danielson, Guevara, and Claudio should be great. 
Wardlow, I don't know what the fuck he's doing at the show. Wardlow, Samoa Joe, and Will Hobbs, possibly. I don't know. But AEW is not where it needs to be. I feel like it's taking a hit. It's taking a hit because of the CM Punk stuff. It's taking a hit ever since Cody Rhodes left. I don't know what's going on there. Internally, I don't know what's going on. Tony Khan may be wearing too many hats backstage. Tony Khan may be undertaking too many different things where the full gear build is kind of taking a back seat. And maybe he's going to put sole focus. Maybe he just wants to get through the rest of the year. I have no fucking clue. Maybe he wants to start fresh in 2023. And we're just doing what we, do, what we can do. And full gear is going to be used as a reset for everything. It's a reset pay-per-view. But Triple H, you know, the honeymoon is not over, man. Triple H, Triple H is getting started. This is where it's really going to be under the microscope with Triple H. Going into War Games, going into Royal Rumble, WrestleMania season. That's where he's focusing most. He's setting the table. The returns, some of the returns have been less than exciting. Hit row, things that he's made, you know, decisions that he's made by bringing several people back hasn't really resonated yet. Some of the creative decisions that have been made a little, a little sketchy. But overall, I would say he's done a great job. I don't think anything is really, oh my God, bad. Remember, we came from Vince McMahon's administration. If you think what Triple H is doing now is worse than what Vince McMahon did, clearly you watched whatever Vince was doing with fucking a box of tissues and lube every fucking week. Take the fucking glasses off. See it for what it really is. Shit. There's no way anybody can tell me that Triple H's product is not better than Vince McMahon's product. Fucking ridiculous. Triple H has done a great job. One of the things he's done very good with is Judgment Day. He's changed his mind on Judgment Day. Now, Judgment Day under Vince McMahon was going right down the toilet. Edge was leading Judgment Day. They kicked out Edge. They had this vibe to them that really wasn't resonating with the audience. They weren't cool. Dominic Mysterio now is in the group. And Edge, who founded the group, wanted out of the group due to Vince McMahon's creative plans. Uh, Apparently, there were rumors around Judgment Day about them going supernatural. And I don't know how true that was, but that was in the rumor mill. And Edge founded the group, left the group, and with Give Me Sport, WrestleVotes talked about this. He says, and I quote, I know back in late July or early August, whenever this whole shift happened, From what I was told, Hunter wasn't really cool with Judgment Day. Not personally, but he just didn't like the idea of the group. But since he's grown behind it, and I think they're doing, you know, what they can right now, I think they're going to be around for a lot longer than anticipated, end quote. And good, Judgment Day is probably one of the best things about Monday Night Raw. They resonate with the fans. Rhea Ripley has come into her own. Rhea Ripley's more popular now than any other time In her main roster stint, Finn Balor feels like Finn Balor of old. Damian Priest feels a lot better than any time he's been on the main roster. Look at Damian Priest compared to Vince McMahon's Damian Priest. This guy went from fucking Lou Ferrigno, split personalities, right? When, uh, When he wanted to fucking really get angry in the ring, 
Now he's just cool. He's collected. He's calm. He's like fucking, he's just out there having a great time. He cuts a great promo. Finn Balor is loose as a goose out there. Finn Balor is probably with what he's doing. He's resurrected his main roster run. What was he doing? Nothing. Doing nothing. Rhea Ripley, where was she? She was going through tag team partners left and right. Different fucking tag team every week. And now Dominic Mysterio, I don't really care for Dominic Mysterio, but Dominic Mysterio is generating heat better than most of the people that have been there for years. Those people would pay to get the type of reaction that Dominic Mysterio is getting. Judgment Day has worked. Judgment Day has worked because they let the fucking, the handcuffs loose. They let them go out there and be themselves and own. Judgment Day basically is all four of these personalities combined. Without any lock and key. That's it. And we're seeing a better version of the group and a better version of all four of them in total. I love it. So yes, Triple H did change his mind because Triple H changed his mind because he allowed the talent to be the talents and go out there and make it their own. And now it's great. This is what happens when you trust the talent to go out there and make it. That's why Triple H changed his mind about the stable. Vince McMahon, if this was Vince McMahon, they probably would have already been broken up. 24-7 title's been retired. Good riddance. I don't need to talk about that. You guys saw it on TV Monday. Dana Brooke lost the title to Nikki. Not trash anymore. And she tossed it in the trash, or at least tried to. I don't know if it was accidental or if it was legitimately supposed to be that way, but Nikki Cross has retired the 24-7 championship and is now in the retired section on WWE.com. Good riddance to the 24-7 championship. I know. It's great. Absolutely fantastic. Mia Yim returned on Monday Night Raw. Wasn't really all that impressed with Mia Yim's return, but, you know, to sell the equalizer to Rhea Ripley to join the OC and AJ Styles, I guess it did work. She's back. She's now part of the OC, joining Gallows, Anderson, and AJ Styles against Judgment Day. So that should be, uh, I don't know where Edge is going to fit into this at Survivor Series. I don't know where Beth Phoenix is going to fit into this at Survivor Series. But we will probably get something along the lines of a Survivor Series traditional match with all these men and women involved at War Games in Boston. But Mia Yim is now back in WWE. Um, We didn't really get an overwhelming, oh my God, Mia Yim is back. But WWE is bolstering the women's division. Because Triple H has big plans for the women's division in 2023, and Mia Yim is going to be a part of that. And Mia Yim also, on a side note, is part of the, you know, the old WWE administration that was not really given an opportunity. Triple H gave her the opportunity in NXT. She did great in NXT. And I feel like when they brought her to the main roster, she really got the short end of the stick. They put her under a mask. It didn't really go anywhere. The group was dead, and then they ended up firing her. It was it was a rough year for Retribution. And Miam was a part of that, and she... I don't know if there was any kickback from that. I don't know if there was any, you know, hostility towards that or creative indifference there. I don't know if they voiced their opinions on it or whatnot. Maybe sometime in the future we'll all know. 
But, I mean, she was placed under a mask for the duration of her main roster run, and nobody realized who she was or what she was. She was hidden away from the WWE world. Not really a good look. So when you ask, why did Triple H bring Mia Yim back? Because her first run basically is non-existent. She went from NXT to unemployment. So now she's back on the main roster, and with AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Rhea Ripley, Judgment Day, she's in good hands on the main roster, and she's in something that actually is the top program on Monday Night Raw. Tommaso Ciampa, where is Ciampa? I miss Ciampa. I love Tommaso Ciampa. But he's injured. He's on the sidelines for the rest of the year. Last month, Ciampa revealed that he underwent surgery on his hip labrum. PW Insider reported this week that in asking around, we were told that he isn't expected back until next year. Champa was last seen in action on September 17th at a WWE live event when he faced Bobby Lashley. I wish Champa nothing but the best. I hope he gets back, man. Champa, when he comes back, hopefully this Miz situation is over with. If it does anything positive, A, it gets him away from the Miz. B, he can get back and he can be Tommaso Champa on his own or... WWE wants to team him with Johnny Gargano. But I don't know what Triple H has planned for both of his boys in Gargano and Champa. They could go rogue, they could go single, or they could be a tag team and get DIY back together. Depends on where the tag team vision is, the tag team title situation, the tag team division is in 2023. We'll use them as uh, we get to that situation when we cross that bridge. But Champa's not expected back on TV for the rest of the year. Maybe we see a return in the Royal Rumble. I don't know how long a hip labrum takes to recuperate from, but I would love to see him back, hopefully, before WrestleMania. I think he deserves that. Champa in a WrestleMania match this year with a major program under his belt? I think he deserves it. I really do. NXT. Injured star Tiffany Stratton set to return to NXT soon. I know I'm a big fan of Tiffany Stratton. I think she's one of the best to come out of that division. You look at her body of work from when NXT 2.0 started to where we are now before she took that leave of absence to go get uh, herself uh, situated with the injury. She looked great. I thought Tiffany Stratton looked really, really good. She was coming along quite nicely. She was in there. And the one thing I liked about Tiffany Stratton is because she wrestled like a wrestler. You know, for someone that really didn't, do this for a long time. She was from a gymnastics background. She came into the WWE world, learned this pretty quickly. And it's amazing to see how someone has no background in WWE or pro wrestling and comes in and takes it and learns as quickly as she does. I, I, I love that. I do. And she, rest, she wrestled physical. She took bumps in there. Her offense, looks, her offense looks better than a lot of the women on the main roster. So if, she, if she's coming back, I think that's a huge plus for not only NXT, but the overall women's division. So, Stratton's last match happened on August 23rd. It was a lights-out match against Wendy Chu, who went over. Since then, Wendy Chu has been working main event tapings where she beat Tamina. Uh, this is as of this week. Uh, I don't know if WWE is interested in bringing her to the main roster, but uh, I don't know with that gimmick, man. I, I, I do not. I do not resonate with that gimmick. I don't. But I could see the kids. I could see the kids going for Wendy Chu's gimmick. I, I think the kids, the younger audience, would find Wendy Chu's uh, gimmick to be a little bit, uh, you know, interesting. But for the adult audience, this is going to end. I guarantee you, I'm, I'm calling this right now. When Wendy Chu makes it to the main roster, if she makes it to the main roster with that gimmick, 
It's going to be just exactly like Nikki Ash was on the main roster. No reaction. Nobody's going to get it. It's cringe. You know, it's it fits a very niche audience. That younger demographic. And if it works, it works. I'm not expecting it to. I think it's going to end up just as bad as Nikki Ash was. But Tiffany Stratton is going to be back. And hopefully she makes a return soon to NXT. She was on the injured list as well. Uh, no reason for the injury. But uh, we'll see her when she gets back. I don't know. Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes is set to move to the main roster. This past Tuesday on NXT, Cameron Grimes faced off against Joe Gacy in singles action. He was beaten by Gacy pretty quickly, thanks to Ava Rain on Wrestling Observer Radio this week. Dave Meltzer noted that there are plans to bring Grimes to the main roster following his program with Gacy. Ryan Alvarez noted that it looked like WWE finished up the feud based on the finish of the match. He says, and I quote, Cameron Grimes is expected to go to the main roster. I was told he's going to finish up with Gacy and then go to the main roster. Great. You can just tell when somebody's ready to go to the main roster. Joe Gacy, you know, I don't know what they got going on with him. I, that's a whole other can of worms I'll, I'll attack uh, on, on, on a different day. But Cameron Grimes, uh, he's ready for the main roster. You just know when someone is ready for the main roster. Now, when he gets to the main roster, what type of gimmick is he going to have? I know they shed Vince McMahon, at least, or Bruce Prichard did when they were down there running the show. They shed that, that uh, millionaire Southern gimmick that he had when he was... Managed by Ted DiBiase or wanted to be managed by Ted DiBiase. Battling over the Million Dollar Championship with LA Knight. They, they got rid of it. I, I actually loved that gimmick. I did. I could see that returning if they want. But to be honest with you, if he makes the main roster right now, what gimmick? Who is Cameron Grimes? Who is Cameron Grimes to the main roster? He doesn't even have a gimmick in NXT. Now, I'm going to will this into existence, not because I want to have it happen, but I just sense that this is where they're going to go. Cameron Grimes is going to make it to the main roster, and they're going to pair him with Baron Corbin. And they're going to pair him with JBL. And if that's the case, his main roster career is already dead to rights. Because Baron Corbin's going nowhere, and JBL is fast-tracking that for Corbin. It is absolutely terrible television. So why would you go and do that? The best thing for Cameron Grimes is for Triple H to go back and do what Cameron Grimes did when when Triple H was running black and gold. Cameron Grimes has no gimmick right now, but he's ready for the main roster. It's going to be a very difficult sell to the main roster audience to bring Cameron Grimes to a Raw SmackDown and have him get over. He needs something, and right now, he has nothing. Triple H is set to give Casey Navarro Indie standout, Casey Navarro, a private tryout in WWE. 23 years old, considered to be a rising star. He is on the smaller side. I believe he's about, I, he may be five foot three, five foot four, if I'm not mistaken. I know the height's going to be a problem. I know it's going to be an issue with all the fucking marks online. But Navarro is being considered for a private WWE tryout. He's wrestled 300 matches. He's wrestled in Impact, MLW, Warrior Wrestling, and Defy. He's wrestled for uh, for uh, House of Glory as well. He's an independent standout. He's wrestled on AEW Dark between October 2020 and March 2021. And WWE recently announced its fall 2022 class of Performance Center recruits, revealing the 14 names that have joined the promotion on developmental deals. I do not have the names of those men and women right now. Many of the names 
announced were a part of the July 2022 set of tryouts in Nashville ahead of this year's SummerSlam Premium Live event. So basically nobody from the independent circuit. It was all hand-me-downs from other sports and people who failed at their last endeavor through college sports or gymnastics or, or amateur wrestling or whatever the case may be. Now they want to be a WWE NIL recruit. So the names are not going to be very familiar with anybody. So Casey Navarro, excellent. He's got charisma for days. He's a good-looking guy. He knows how to wrestle. He knows how to cut a promo. There's a lot of what Casey Navarro brings to the table that Triple H is going to love. And if he gets a private tryout, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be brought to NXT. If Casey Navarro is getting a private trial in NXT, he's going to be on NXT within the next six months, probably before that. Easy. Easy. Now, the height may be a problem. I see people already mentioning in my comment section when I talked about this during an extra during the week, his height's going to be a problem. I know it. But if you guys enjoy Carmelo Hayes' work, then you're going to enjoy Casey Navarro's work. And if Carmelo Hayes is set for a main roster call-up himself, Having Carmelo Hayes leave the brand and having his spot replaced by somebody like Casey Navarro, who may be even more charismatic than Carmelo Hayes, is a great position to be in. He's going to get the job, no matter what. Once he gets that tried, he's going to get the job. It's all up to him to take it from there. And what gimmick they give him and how they present him, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. And that height issue is going to be a challenge. In Triple H... In Triple H's WWE, it may not be as big of a problem as it would be in in Vince McMahon's WWE, but it's going to be a hard sell for the casual audience because when you got somebody in there that's five foot three, five foot four, that's going up against you know somebody on the main roster, it's going to be a difficult sell to sell that legitimacy. I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot of guys on NXT that are are in that same boat. Wesley is tremendous. Nathan Frazier is tremendous. Casey Navarro is very good. I won't say he's tremendous yet, but WWE's got a lot of guys like that. It depends on how they're presented and how they are allowed to go out there and really get themselves over. It's going to make a world of a difference. It really is. But Triple H, this is what I love, man. Everybody has a spot. Everybody's being given an opportunity. If you don't make it, hey, at least we gave you the opportunity. AEW Dynamite. Let's shift gears to AEW, man. Eric Bischoff. I don't like talking about Eric Bischoff because I think his opinion is shit. But Eric Bischoff gives his opinion on if Triple H should be interested in CM Punk. CM Punk, his future in AEW, uncertain. We don't know what's going on. Contract buyout is being rumored from AEW. He just recently made an appearance for an MMA promotion, and he did color commentary this past Thursday. The Bucks and Kenny Omega are coming back to television, probably at All Out, at Full Gear, rather, stemming from the All Out situation. They were stripped of their championships. They were suspended, and an investigation was launched into what happened at All out. Ace Steel was fired. The Elite are on their way back, and like I said, we'll be at full gear. Eric Bischoff, who's been exchanging verbal shots with Punk, going back to 2021. Eric Bischoff, who's been very critical of Tony Khan and the way he's handled AEW. He says this, and I quote, In regards to Punk, 
potentially being bought out by AEW and Punk being back on the free agent market. I don't know what Paul Levesque is thinking. I don't know what their plans are, what their strategies are, so I have no idea. I can tell you from my perspective, I wouldn't touch Punk with a 10-foot pole. I think CM Punk has a mystique because of WWE and because of the pipe bomb interview and because he walked out. That created this aura and mystique that Tony Khan bought or brought to AEW and took advantage of for a minute. And once that mystique was gone, once you kind of let that air out of the balloon and now you're just performing every week, I didn't see it in Punk. I just didn't see it in him as a character. I didn't see it in him in the ring. He was good, but he wasn't phenomenal. He's old. He's fragile. He was never in great shape to begin with. And he didn't start out as an athlete. And now at 44 years old, he's fragile as hell. So what would you do with him? Especially in WWE where the intensity and the physicality and the schedule is so much more than it is in AEW. Just the sheer workload. Punk pretty much crapped the bed the way that he handled himself in AEW. Referring to the AEW all-out media scrum fight with the Elite. I think the audience has kind of turned on him. I'm sure he still has some diehard fans out there and all that. Everybody does. But the general audience, I think he left a really bad taste in their mouth. And they realized that that mystique is no longer there. And he's just another guy. So I don't see the value. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine... CM Punk going back to WWE to begin with. I've been saying this for weeks. I can't really sit here and tell you Eric Bischoff is wrong either. Because he's not. Eric Bischoff made a lot of sense in this interview with Wrestling Inc. He's 44 years old. He's injury prone. The first injury should have never happened. The first injury, I'm not even counting because it was just Punk being Punk. And it was a freak accident that should have never even happened to begin with. By jumping into the fucking fans... During a goddamn ring entrance. Breaking his foot in the process. I don't even count that. But the injury to the tricep. I mean that could happen to anybody. Especially in a match with. John Moxley. It's going to happen. I mean look at what Moxley and Paige did. Moxley almost decapitated Paige. With a fucking stiff clothesline. Shit happens. Anything can happen in that ring. I'm not blaming it on him being fragile. But. You know, he's been away for seven years. How much wrestling has he done in seven years? We don't know. He's trained in MMA, but training for MMA and training for a pro wrestling match is two completely different things. The physicality of both is different. It's two different worlds. So is Punk injury prone? Probably. He's been away for seven years. The fuck did you expect him to come into? AEW did. Signed CM Punk to a long-term deal to be the face of the company. Did he need to wrestle every week on television? No. Did he need to be on every show? No. That's where Tony Khan's problem came in. He put so much on CM Punk because of the money and the monetary value that he placed on CM Punk that he felt like he needed to use CM Punk every single week, whether it's in the ring. Promo, microphone, on the commentary desk, backstage vignette, whatever the case may be. We didn't need to see Punk every single week. That was the mistake that Tony Khan and AEW made, but I get it. 
And I get that they wanted some type of return on their investment. But what you do is you take somebody for seven years and you put them on TV every week. Like Bischoff said, that mystique and that aura of punk is now gone. You've popped that balloon and the air is now coming out of that balloon until you have nothing. And it's just withering away every single week. I would have not presented punk on TV every week. I would not. But with him going back to WWE, that's not going to be something I care for either. And the reason why I don't care for is because I don't want to see CM Punk go back on everything he stated for eight years. CM Punk has ruined a friendship with Colt Cabana over the things that he said on a podcast And it came down to being paid royalties for said podcast. So if he goes back to WWE, he's basically telling you that everything that happened in eight years was for nothing. Everything he said, for nothing. All the words that he put out there in the universe for us to listen to and digest, for nothing. Him coming back after all this time to join AEW, to only join WWE, all for nothing. Colt Cabana and the friendship ruined there. All for nothing. To go back to WWE and do what? I see people making fun of, oh yeah, CM Punk is going to get his buyout before WrestleMania and he's going to wrestle Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania. He's going to wrestle John Cena at WrestleMania. Now those are interesting aspects. Those are interesting fantasy discussions, but I don't see that happening. Tony Khan's not a fucking dummy. He knows exactly what the possibility is if Punk goes back to WWE. He doesn't want that to happen. It's probably best if Tony Khan just pays him to sit at home and do nothing and go about the rest of your life. Go do MMA, go walk the dog, go hang out with your wife, go do what you got to do. WWE, what good is there for WWE and CM Punk? The only reason why CM Punk would go back to WWE is, A, money, if he's bleeding money, if he's hemorrhaging money and needs a fucking payday, which I don't think he does. A, number two... Triple H would desperately want Punk back to stab the knife in Tony Khan and AEW's back. Ha, 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 we got Punk. That's the only reason why I could see Triple H really interested in CM Punk. But him going back there, who do you want to see him wrestle? Cody? Seth? Roman? Somebody told me that Roman is willing to do business with CM Punk. Clearly, that would be something I'm interested in, but... Sam Punk going back to WWE would make everything he said for eight years absolutely. He would have zero rep- reputation. Zero. If you have no reputation, if you have no soul about you, you're worthless. Sam Punk bared his soul for eight years. If you give that up to go back to WWE, you have nothing. That is all. That Basically, that is the mystique of Sam Punk. And that mystique is deflated by what he did in AEW. You know, part of my my conspiracy theory side is thinking Punk went to AEW to fucking do this shit at All Out for WWE to go back there eventually. Now, I know that's not the case, but I mean, thinking out loud, what's real, what's not real? Is this a work? Is this a shoot? Are they going to get back on the same page? If CM Punk is, is smart, he'd get back on the same page with Tony Khan and AEW and make money out of this and wrestle the elite and get the elite into a major program with himself. Selling out a stadium for their first stadium show. Punk vs. Omega would sell out. Thousands of people would come see that. But the fans, Bischoff said, 
it left a really bad taste in the general audience's mouth. The fans have turned on CM Punk. He, he, he still has diehard fans out there. And I do think that's the case. When you're an AEW diehard, who are you going to side with? You're going to side with the elite and Kenny Omega, or you're going to side with CM Punk? You're going to side with the elite. Without AEW, or without the elite, rather, there is no AEW. Without Tony Khan, there's no AEW. Punk just walked on into the locker room thinking that, you know, he can be the, the number one guy after everything that they've built. And, hey, I'm here now. You're saved. Kind of shits on the elite's work. This was their dream. This was their vision. And CM Punk really shit all over that. I could see why the fans and the audience are siding with the elite and not with CM Punk. But I can't really sit here and tell you Bischoff is wrong. Bischoff is not wrong. And Bischoff does make a lot of sense in this CM Punk discussion. Bandito. He is now all elite. Meltzer talked about why Bandito chose AEW over WWE. He says, and I quote, in the end, he realized he couldn't sign with WWE because he's got a child in Mexico and his significant other doesn't want to move from Mexico and he doesn't want to not see his child all the time. End quote. If he signed with WWE and they wanted him to start in NXT, he would have, mo- he would have to move to Florida. If he got to the main roster, he would be on the road more than AEW. Bandito is slated to make a AEW splash as he is in the world title eliminator term. He's defeated Roosh on Friday night's Rampage. And the winner of that tournament is going to get a title match at Winter is Coming on December, I believe, what is that? Uh, Middle of December. It might be the the first week of December, right before the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. So Bandito... Signed with AEW because it was a lot easier on his schedule and it gives him a little bit more of personal time at home. Fine. That's a great decision to make. Nobody can sit there and tell Bandito the decision that he made is wrong because he made the best decision for Bandito. And I think Bandito is incredible. I think Bandito, listen, I could sit here and tell you that Tony Khan signed way too many fucking people for AEW that uh, he doesn't know what to do with. But having somebody like Bandito on the roster, man, you would think that He's going to be a solid guy for a, a TNT title or a, a All-Atlantic championship. I mean, a guy like that, you're bringing it to the company, he better be fucking utilized because that is a great talent that Tony Khan signed to the company. But he's got so many other talents that aren't fucking being featured right now. And now we're adding Bandito to everybody else that's not being featured. I don't know. So he signed with AEW because personal life was more important to him instead of being on the road with WWE and having to move from Mexico to Florida if he did join WWE and get started in NXT. Kanosuke Takeshita is returning to AEW. Speaking of the All-Atlantic Championship, he would be perfect for that. Takeshita will be in action on November 18th. That is Rampage. Uh, He is teaming with Jun Akiyama, who will be making his AEW debut. And these two are DDT stars. And Eddie Kingston has requested Akiyama in the ring, and Tony Khan has delivered. Eddie Kingston and Ortiz will wrestle Takeshita and Akiyama on Rampage, which should be very interesting. Takeshita gained popularity in in the States and in AEW during his international excursion earlier last year, or earlier this year, rather. The star impressed so many in the wrestling industry against Eddie Kingston, Hangman Page, John Moxley, and Claudio Castagnoli. Takeshita wrestled last in AEW during his U.S. excursion on August 10th. It was a dark elevation taping. It was against Cesar Benoni that aired on the August 15th episode. 
So that's Full Gear Friday. Rampage will be live. And Rampage, uh, that will be the go-home show for Full Gear on Saturday. Takeshita, I mean, if he's back in the States full-time, he, he needs to be in AEW. He does. Uh, I mean, he is fucking incredible. And I'd love to see him get a bigger role. If he's going to be here longer, I'd love to see him get a, a shot at the TNT title. I'd love to see him get a shot at the All-Atlantic Championship. I think Orange Cassidy is great. But having somebody like Takeshita hold that championship and do what Takeshita does holding that title, you can't get any better than that, man. I think that's a great pickup for AEW. I'm glad that he's back. I really do. He's he's great. That's the type of guy that the AEW audience wants to see more of. That guy. I love it. Hangman Page. He's left Twitter. We talked about this earlier in the week. Hangman Page has taken a hiatus. Off of Twitter, he did say he's not deleting his Twitter account, but he did say he would be deleting it off of his phone. Now, he's not an active user, or he's not as active as many people uh, are on Twitter, so this may stick, and the tweet that he put out may be the last we've seen of him on the platform for a a long time, for several months. Uh, Page did not outright say that his exit is related to Elon Musk buying Twitter, but the timing does match up. Mick Foley was the recent... Uh, exit from Twitter in the pro wrestling world. The most notable, I should say. He briefly returned to Twitter after exiting Twitter after the Musk acquisition to basically tell everybody to go out there and vote. So Adam Page is off of Twitter and he's no longer on Twitter and one has to assume if it is Elon Musk related. If Adam Hangman Page doesn't want to be on Twitter, nobody's going to question him because Twitter is a fucking cesspool. Who wants? I don't even want to be on Twitter. But I have to be on Twitter because I do what I do. But Adam Page getting off of Twitter may be one of the best decisions for him that he could possibly ever make. It is the best creative move. It is the best long-term booking decision that Adam Page will ever be a part of. Believe me. Nobody is on Twitter to follow Hangman Page. Believe me. MJF. He joined the cast of Sean Durkin's The Iron Claw, which is a film about the Von Erich family. Good for MJF. MJF is going Hollywood, man, as he is joining the cast of The Iron Claw. The upcoming film is about the Von Erich family. Deadline reported the news this week. It's unclear what MJF's role in the film will be, but this will mark his first feature film endeavor. The drama is set to be financed and produced by A24, while Sean Durkin wrote the script and will be directing it. The family was iconic in Texas, and while they had a ton of success in wrestling, they also experienced the lowest of lows. Fritz von Erich, the father of the wrestling family, had five of his six sons um, predecease him. Jack Jr. was accidentally shocked and drowned in a puddle at six years old. David von Erich died in a Tokyo hotel at the age of 25. Mike, Chris, and Kerry all committed suicide. MJF joins a cast that includes Jeremy Allen White, Zach Efron, Harry Dixon, and Holt McCollany, Maury Morat Tierney, and Lily James. MJF is slated to challenge John Moxley for the AW World Title in the main event of Full Gear on, on uh, November 19th. Good for MJF. MJF is going to really be the transcending star that he continues he continues to make himself out to be. A generational talent now, not only in the world of professional wrestling, but he's getting into his fucking first venture in Hollywood. 
We may be looking at the next rock, folks. We may be looking at the next rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and MJF. Absolutely. Charlotte Flair. Where is Charlotte Flair? Charlotte Flair has been absent off WWE TV. And a lot of people are speculating that she is imminently returning. Ric Flair has confirmed that there is nothing wrong with Charlotte because a lot of people were questioning that she had to pull out of a big appearance at an indie signing onto the podcast that he did conduct to be the man. Ric Flair confirmed that there's nothing wrong with Charlotte and she's healthy, but he has no idea when she will be back on TV. Flair said, to be very honest, I have no idea. She keeps everything to herself. I know when she's talking, I know she's talking to the company, but I don't know any more than that. If I did, I couldn't tell you anyway. She doesn't trust me to tell me anything because I can't keep my mouth shut. Conrad then said, well, a lot of fans I know created a little bit of chatter because I guess there was an appearance she had that was canceled. And I know Andrade said recently that she had some personal stuff that she was working on. You and I know that physically she's fine. Emotionally, she's fine. It's her business to share. But I guess what I wanted to sort of set the record straight on is there's nothing wrong with Charlotte Flair. She is fine. Flair said that Charlotte is in the best shape of her life. And he's been saying that Charlotte versus Bianca Belair should happen at WrestleMania. I hope to God not. That's Rhea Ripley's spot, not Charlotte Flair's spot. He said she is probably in the best shape of her life. I think it's probably a mutual decision between her and the company as to when she comes back. I would assume under the perfect circumstance, she's the best wrestler, but she's the greatest female wrestler of all time. Like I said before, to have two legit world-class athletes, you could write the story itself. NCAA track star, strength, coordination, athleticism, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, it's a main event in itself, in my opinion. That's the match. No. Now it's Bianca and Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. Charlotte Flair does not factor in to Bianca Belair whatsoever. We're not putting Charlotte Flair in the title match because she's Charlotte Flair. We're putting who makes sense. Charlotte's been off television. Rhea Ripley has now amassed TV time and created a character for herself and has created an audience for herself, a deserving spot for herself to where she should be the one to challenge Bianca Belair. And she's owed a title shot anyway, so I think that would make the most sense. And finally, guys, we're going to end with this one. There's backstage news that has now emerged from Clash of the Castle. News on the convoluted idea that Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre in the main event, a convoluted idea on the match finish. Now, WrestleVotes told Give Me Sport. Now, l- let me set the table here. The, the main event saw Drew McIntyre lose because of Solo Sokoa. Tyson Fury was out there to stop Austin Theory's cash-in. Solo Sokoa joined the bloodline, helped Roman when the Usos and Sami Zayn weren't there. He helped the Tribal Chief retain the title and beat Drew McIntyre. Now, WrestleVotes told Give Me Sport that there was a convoluted idea for McIntyre to win one of the belts, the WWE title or Universal title, at the show. He says, and I quote, the only thing that they could think of was Austin Theory. With Austin Theory, he was somehow going to make it known that he was only cashing in for one of the belts. Therefore, it became a triple threat. And Tyson Fury stopped him like he did, and Drew would then go on to take one of the titles 
For whatever reason, that didn't work. It sounds really convoluted. I don't know how you're going to pull it off on television. So the convoluted idea was for the match to be turned into a triple threat match. But Austin Theory cash in for only a title. A WWE title or a universal title. Now, it could have made sense. It could have made sense. If WWE actually played that narrative up on television. Austin Theory coming over from Monday Night Raw. I'm a part of the Raw brand. We have no world champion. I want to be the world champion to represent my show. Now, if they played that up leading up to the pay-per-view, it could have absolutely worked. And Drew McIntyre, if they wanted to really have Drew McIntyre win the WWE championship or, or win a championship, he didn't have to do it by pinning Roman. He could have pinned Austin Theory because at that point, Austin Theory would have made the match a triple threat match. He would have included himself into the outcome. And McIntyre could have pinned Austin Theory to win the WWE Championship because Austin Theory, with the cash-in, changed the rules of the match. Roman would be a non-factor. But they, WWE, they say it's a convoluted idea. I don't think it's that convoluted. It could have worked if they set the table correctly. But at the end of the day, they don't want Roman Reigns to lose going into his match with possibly The Rock at WrestleMania. And I don't see Roman Reigns losing the championship November, December, January, February, March, April. I don't see him losing the championship at all. He's going right through WrestleMania up until what I predicted will be a thousand days as universal champion. WWE loves their records. WWE wants that in the record. That record, WWE will have Roman Reigns as long as they can have him as champion to set a record that will never be broken. That's what they're planning to do. Roman Reigns is not losing. That's their biggest hangup. They didn't want Roman Reigns a part of anything where he would be in the L column. Is it convoluted? No. WWE's perception and mentality on Roman Reigns is the only thing convoluted. The match outcome and the way that it could have worked, it could have worked. And it was not convoluted. Anyway, guys, that is all I got for you. And that wraps up episode 452 of the podcast right here on Off The Script. We're going to get into the Super Chats right now. I appreciate you guys joining me, man. We got one new member tonight. And we got several recommitments, which I appreciate. We got Corey Williams. We got Garner Hara. We got John Lamey. We got NC07. We got Go Dogs. We got Robert Hall. And we got Mel's Matt Chat. All with recommitments to the VIP club. And we have a new membership from who is our new member today we got one new member today and uh, it may be Rody Trent if I'm not mistaken Rody Trent is the new member tonight on the podcast man thank you guys very much for all of your support follow me on social media at JD from NY206 that's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Cameo Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And make sure you go and check out all the other content on the channel. It's all on the homepage for you. It's all categorized in its own playlist. Go and check it out. 
And please continue to hit that thumbs up, guys. If you are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, I would appreciate a thousand likes minimum right here on OTS. Sinister Classic with a $5 super chat. I want to take a moment to remember the late, but oh so great, Eddie Guerrero. We lost him 17 years ago today. We miss you, Eddie. Viva la raza. Cheers to all. Eddie Guerrero was one of the greats, man. 17 years. It's crazy. 17 years. Tony Brown with a 199 Super Chat. Good evening, young bro. Good evening, Tony Brown. Jeremy Harris with a $5 Super Chat. Just showing my support, JD. Enjoy the rest of your night. Cheers to the VIPs in this great podcast. Thank you so much, Jeremy Harris. I appreciate you, brother. Levi Litova. With a 7.99 super chat, so happy to finally be able to make a live show again. Always slogging away at work. OTS, let's go! Thank you, Levi. We need you more. We need you in here more, Levi. Garner Hara with three months here to show my love and respect to the king of the IWC. Cold beverages on me, everyone in the chat. I love to see it, Garner. Thank you so much, man. John Lamey with four months. OTS for life. Thank you, John. NC07 with three months. Tay Tay, the savior with a 499. Was Billy Corgan giving Tyrus the world championship as an FU to Nick Aldis? Yes, he was. Basically what he did. He gave the world title to Tyrus as a fuck you to Nick Aldis. And it also made himself into a hypocrite. He exposed himself and the comments that he previously made on a podcast. Shane Arnold with a 499 Super Chat. Hey, JD. Monday Night Raw will be in my hometown this week at the KFC Yum Center. Is that what it's really called? The Yum Center? And also, it's my birthday week as well. Well, that's that's the most important thing. Shane. Well, hopefully you have a happy birthday, bro. I mean, we'll be doing live streams all week, so hopefully you're in the venue celebrating your birthday, man. It's the place to be. And um, enjoy Monday Night Raw. I don't know if you're going or not, but uh, if you are, enjoy yourself. Nick Williams. Three things. Can't wait for war games and full gear. I'm excited for both. I really am. Now, Nick Williams wants me to check out Sonic Frontier's There's a song, I believe he says, it's called Breaking Through, and it's Fire. I have to check it out. I got to see what's going on with that. And I do like open-world RPGs, and I got to go check out Final Fantasy X1V. It's optional, but you should give it a try. Bro, there's a new Final Fantasy 16 coming out that uh, I'm very much interested in checking out. I've seen, uh, I seen the trailer for it at the recent uh, video game uh, conventions. Um, no, it's not E3. Gamescom or something like that. Out of this, they, It was revealed during the Video Game Awards or something like that. It looks great. I love that type of shit, man. Right now, I, I think I'm going to be purchasing God of War soon. I haven't purchased God of War yet. Uh, I don't know what I've waited for. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Modern Warfare 2, but there's really nothing else to do until the season starts next week. 
But outside that, man, you know, Destiny's dead. Um, I, I can't find anything interesting to do on Destiny 2 until the new season starts. Everything's in a lull right now, man. Everything. Wrestling's in a lull. Video games in a lull right now. I don't know. Thank you, Nick Williams, with the $100 Super Chat, bro. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for the support. Ulysses with the $10 Super Chat. Ulysses is getting oozy. JD, in, in a general perspective, do you think they will bring back Sasha before War Games or possibly make her a mystery partner that will be revealed at War Games to get some shock value then? Probably. I could see her being a shock teammate. Which would kind of be predictable, but I, I think it would... I, I think you want to save a moment like that for pay-per-view. Go Dogs with a five-month. What do you think the Nick Aldis situation is heading after leaving Ed WA, WWAW? If anything, I, I think Triple H would bring him in. I really do. I think Nick Aldis would thrive in WWE. AEW does not need any more talent. James with a five-dollar super chat. JD, you say that there has to be some blood in the War Games match, but the ladies, but of the ladies, who do you think is going to bleed red, and how do you feel about Full Gear? Um, I could see Dakota bleeding. I could see Nikki Cross bleeding as well. And I'm excited for the full gear. I just I just hope that uh, it, it delivers. And, and it should. Tony Khan usually delivers on pay-per-view. I'm just not genuinely excited about this show as I was previous pay-per-views. But we'll see. They always deliver on pay-per-view. I don't think that's their problem. But I do think the television shows have, have been lackluster as of late. I, I think the build has been, you know, not AEW-esque. And that's just me being, you know, fair. Soundwave, 199 Super Chat. I would like to see Elvira at WrestleMania 39. I don't know why you want to see Elvira at WrestleMania 39. How she fits there, I don't know. But who knows who WWE is bringing in. West Coast Samoan with a $20 Super Chat. Bloodline running WWE. Samoan national anthem. National team making the Rugby World Cup. Sami Zayn possibly representing the Isle of Samoan WWE World Cup. My peoples are doing big things. Listen, bro. We love the Samoans over here, man. It's great. And Sammy's the honorary oos, man. Sammy's the most oosy out of all of them. Thank you, West Coast Simone, with the $20 Super Chat, man. Appreciate you. James with a $5 Super Chat. JD, have you heard about the Bride Performs Shut Up and Dance With Me? Season 8, Episode 7, The Masked Singer from the Other Night. It's Le Champion. No, I did not. Bro, I don't watch those shows. I do not watch those shows at all, man. But that's cool, though. I mean, good for Jericho getting out there, out there, man. Uh, Philip Newton with a 999 Super Chat. I say give Triple H two years to clean up the damage control Vince and Bruce did. It's the little changes. Philip, we've already seen those little changes, and there are more changes on the way. Can't un you can't undo everything in three months. Can't clean up everything in three months, man. It's got to be a calculated and strategic process for sure. Also, Philip Newton with the 499 Super Jack. Corey Graves is nothing but a tool, especially after defending who 
I can run fast because I'm brawn. Corey Graves is very good at his job, Philip Newton. Uh, I enjoy Corey Graves greatly. Uh, whatever he says in regards to anybody else, it's Corey Graves' opinion. Robert Hall, 85, with a 22 months. Google says 3,500 buys. Well, Google is not really wrong. Lame. $2 super chat by Just the Juicy One. Tyrus is on TV nightly. Could be to get eyes on NWA. I think that's where most of the hate... Actually, A, he sucks. B, I think the other part of the hate for Tyrus is because of his political views, I'm assuming. You know, because the IWC are, are the most intelligent specimens out there where, you know, they dwell into all political aspects and talk about all of the political narratives out there. And if you argue about it, you're wrong. El Fuen with a Chilean pesos. 10,000 Chilean pesos. Thank you, brother. Hello, JD. I'm in the hospital again with my mom and sister. She's postrated and can't walk or move anymore. We give her the best care possible, but it seems now she will no longer be with us. I'm grateful for your podcast. Well, Jesus Christ. El Fuen, man. I'm sorry to hear that, brother. I want everybody in the OTS venue, man, all my VIPs to give those prayer emojis up for El Fuen and his mom. Sorry to hear that, man. Thoughts and prayers are with you. Mel's Matt Chat with a 20-month membership. One, you are so damn hot. And second, can you shout out my BFF Edgar Alvarez that he's an amazing soul and I love him and I'm here for you always. Well, you just said it, Mel. Shout out to Edgar Alvarez. You're an amazing soul, brother. And Mel loves you. Tyler with a 499 Super Chat. Do you think Sasha Banks shows up at Stardom or War Games? War Games. Also, bringing back the sassy Southern Belle and having Sergeant Slaughter manage Lacey Evans will fix her. No. Absolutely not. I think Triple H needs to fix our viewing habits, and Lacey Evans needs to be off TV. Cliff Goat, four months. Thank you, brother. Great show, JD. Excited for this week in gaming. Warzone 2, Generation 9 of Pokemon with Scarlet and Violet. Let's fucking go, man. Yeah, I don't know which one I'm buying, but I'm going to wait for the reviews. If they are good reviews, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to go to the store and buy it uh, this week or whenever it comes out. Soma BT with a 199 Super Chat. Thumbs up emoji. Thank you, Soma. I appreciate you, bro. Bushy Clementine with a three-month. Hope all is well for you, JD. Take care of yourself and have a great holiday, sir. Thank you, Bushy. Furious Nation with a $20 super chat. What's up, JD? Can't believe 17 years ago was the unfortunate death of the late, great Eddie Guerrero. Gone way too soon and imagine the endless rematches that he could have had had he not passed. Excited for war games as well. Yeah, Furious, uh, yeah, Eddie Guerrero, man, imagine Imagine the matches that we could have had if Eddie was in good health, bro. Miggy Saito. Are you going to play Resident Evil 4 Remake? Absolutely. 
I played every version of Resident Evil 4, and I'm not stopping, bro. They could make that game until I'm fucking 90 years old. I'd still play it. The script keeper with a $10 super chat. So NWA made Tyrus to be champion to screw Nick Aldis. And what's going to end up happening is NWA screwed themselves by losing their only notable names in that company. Yes. Basically. So the NWA, as far as I'm concerned, everybody's wasting all this energy and expending all this energy on the NWA. The NWA is dead. Who gives a fuck about the NWA? There are bigger things to worry about, and it's not the NWA. Cody Snyder with a $5 super chat. Man, I want to see MJF win that title, but I'm not eager to spend 50 bucks on that show. I'll be watching your Twitter feed review for sure. It'll be worth 50, bro. I think it'll be worth 50. Should be a good show. Furious Nation with a $20 super chat. Speaking of war games, after the brawling brutes and bloodline brawl from SmackDown on Friday... Imagine if William Regal was still there to say war games. It would have been perfect, in my opinion, bro. And could you see Nick Aldis in NXT Europe? No. Yes, the war games build is definitely missing William Regal, for sure. Nick Aldis, I do think of, uh, if he wants to wrestle, I could see him. I could see him in WWE. I could. Just because Triple H appreciates the old school, and Nick Aldis is very much old school. Ricardo with a 199 super chat. He leaves me a microphone emoji. Thank you, Ricardo. Furious Nation with a $20 super chat. Also, did you hear about what happened to Scarlett last night with the fan throwing a drink at her? Yes, I did. I hope Scarlett is okay. And Brodus Clay's NWA world champion is a joke. I don't blame Nick Aldis whatsoever for leaving. Yes, I did hear about that Scarlett story. Um, some lady threw, I believe, water at Scarlett. And they were escorted or kicked out of the building. I don't know why. This woman was a fucking mental case. I don't know why people go to shows and feel like they need to be a part of the fucking show. You're going to a wrestling show to watch these performers work. There's a reason why the barricade exists. Honor your fucking space behind the barricade. Jay McCabe with a Australian 799 Super Chat. Hey, JD, checking in from Brisbane, Australia. Love your channel. You're the man. Shout out to you, McCabe. I appreciate you, brother. And Danny H. Vlogs. With a 199 super chat, he says, R.I.P. to our childhood, Kevin Conroy, Batman. Man, the original Batman, the animated series, me and my brothers were uh, big into that. Big time into that. Absolutely. Guys, that's all I got for you on this Sunday night. I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. I hope that you had a good time. I will be back on Monday. We wrapped up this week. I will be back on Monday with Monday Night Raw. And any news uh, any news that breaks, I'll have an extra for you. You guys know the deal. Any extras during the week, we'll wrap up the week like we usually do on Sunday with episode 453. 
We got full gear on Saturday. I'll be live on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the weekly show. Saturday, live for full gear. Sunday with the flagship show. And any extras in between, giving you guys the up-to-date news. Appreciate you guys very much, man. We're about to get out of here. Venue's closing up for the night. Getting ready for Monday Night Raw tomorrow. Follow me on social media, guys. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Links are down in the description below. Continue to hit that thumbs up, guys. I need 70 more likes for 1,000. If you guys have not hit the thumbs up and are still here, hit that thumbs up. Thank you for the super chat, love. I would have loved to see more members tonight, but we got one member tonight. One new member and several recommitments. Thank you guys very much. Furious with another $10 super chat coming in here. Also, I hope we do see Bobby Roode back soon on SmackDown. That would be glorious. I'll never forget his feud with Roddy on NXT with Marina Shafir. That was some good stuff, man. That was definitely some good stuff. Go check out all of the content on the channel. It's all on the homepage in its playlists. Go check it out. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. And once again, guys, I will see you live right back here tomorrow night for Monday Night Raw from the venue on Off The Script. I need those ace emojis in the chat. I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. I need those rock on emojis in the chat. And most importantly, guys, when you hear that guitar solo, come on. Sinister Classic even says, hit that like button. I need that music on max. Thank you for the two Sinister Classic. Guys, I'll see you tomorrow night from the venue right here on Off The Script from Monday Night Raw. I'll see you guys later.